you stupid You, Williamson, I'm talking to you. You just cost me $6,000. $6,000 and one Cadillac. That's right. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You shit. Where did you learn your trade, you stupid you idiot? Whoever told you that you could work with men? Oh, I'm going to have your job. I'm going downtown. I'm going to talk to Mitch and Murray. I'm going to Lemkin. I don't care whose nephew you are, who you know, whose you're on. You're going out. I swear to you. Anyone in this office lives on his wits. What you're hired for is to help us. Does that seem clear to you? To help us, not to f*** us up. To help men who are going out there to try to earn a living, you fairy. You company man. I'll tell you something else. I hope you rip the joint off. I can tell our friend here a little something might help him to catch you. You want to learn the first rule, you'd know if you ever spent a day in your life. You never open your mouth till you know what the shot is. You child. Especially funny if you can watch it, you can see Al Pacino just throwing his, like throwing his his shoulders back and his chest forward and putting his hands on his hips and showing off this salmon-colored tie that he's wearing. You fairy, you company man, and his Kevin Spacey is just sinking, sinking further and further into himself. Fantastic. All right. Whoever told you you could work with men? For a while, that was my uh, that was my cell phone ring for like a day and a half, and then I figured out it did not endear me to those around me. All right. uh, why? Hello. It's three minutes and eighteen seconds after the hour of eleven, and this the month of November in the year of our Lord two thousand and seven. Thank you for coming by, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the now because if we just started with David Mamet, I want to throw profanity and everything. We are live from the Epping Studios of. Uh, you know, in production, when they were when they were rehearsing Glengarry Glen Ross, it has so much profanity in it that all of the guys who were involved in that movie, Jack Lemmon and Al Pacino and uh, Kevin Spacey and Alec Baldwin, the the uh, the pet name for that uh, for that script when they were rehearsing it was the death of an effing salesman. So they all called it. Uh, what am I doing? Here from the plushly appointed yet not really ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. Uh, it is Monday, and welcome to Day 12. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for coming by. It's 503 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. It's 503-733-2970 for your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your what have you. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the just plain indefensible. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at 
rickemerson.com if you wish to engage with us electronically today to correspond with us in a binary fashion. Uh, or Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am. Before we do anything else, uh, we should mention to a little bit of radio technical business today. So if you were listening earlier, you heard there was like a nine-minute stretch, I think, where the station signal was either gone or bad or missing entirely or whatever. Uh, so what you got is... This really only works if I'm if I'm Phil Connors standing in front of the thing where I talk about the high pressure system coming in. Naturally, the Doppler shows green all over the place. Is that true? Yes. I don't know Searching what a Doppler all the way is. The dolls. What the is dolls? The dolls. Green bad. Green means lots of rain. And what is a Doppler? A, a Doppler is the name for the radar. Is that a uh, now is Doppler like Xerox? Is that yeah. some sort of a, is that a company yeah. trademark that we've all just started to use? Yeah. Is sort of generically Kleenex. every day. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a Kleenex. I have no. No idea what it is. Just like a Kleenex in that it's covered in green. <clears throat> There's my bad joke for the day. We're going to move on. Well, you're going to need your Beijing crank up radio today at some point, I bet. Well, here's what happened. So earlier today, and by earlier, I mean about 19 terror-filled minutes ago, uh, we are, I was in the kitchen, and we had KUFO on in the kitchen. And Bozik was talking to some guy. He wanted to hear some song for some things, whatever. And they started to play, and then the KUFO went off for about 15 seconds. And then they came back on. What that means is we have a delicate system of checks and balances here. Uh, where something, if we have the main transmitter, and the main transmitter, is, of course, as, as the name would imply, is the primary transmitter, the primary source of conveyance of my words to your ears. And so typically there is an automated system that kicks in when the main transmitter goes down, it's knocked offline, something happens to it, it's taken apart by zombies or meth addicts or something, that the backup transmitter, which is sort of like a big Yamaha generator that runs outside your house uh, you know, during your standoff with the government, that just automatically kicks on, and so there's an interruption of only about five or six seconds in the signal. So KUFO's main transmitter went down this morning, and then immediately, bam, backup transmitter comes on, KUFO signal continues uninterrupted. Same thing happened to Movin, I think. Movin 107.5. The wind knocks down the main transmitter. Backup transmitter comes up just as planned. Not so much with us. The the wind knocked the main transmitter down, and then the backup transmitter, for whatever reason, didn't kick on. And this really is inside the shop talk here. But there is this thing in radio, and anybody who works in radio knows exactly what I'm talking about. There is this thing they have here called... The silence alarm, or silence sense, as it's more commonly called. And the silence sense does just what it sounds like. It senses silence. Um, And what that means is, is that whenever there is dead air for more than, I think, 40 seconds, this shrieking, piercing, unholy, filling, rattling alarm goes off. I mean, I can't even even describe it. I mean, it's unbelievably loud. And it's at that frequency that's it's not quite where your dog can hear it, but, I mean, it's just at the upper register of human comprehension. And then there's a huge flashing light that goes off, and it's, it's, you know, that the skies fall and the seas turn to blood. It's just a terrible alarm. And so that went off today, and then it just kept going off because the backup transmitter didn't come on. So, and then, every, of course, everybody in every, and it doesn't go off just down here. It goes off upstairs where, as Ricky Roma says, men are trying to make a living. And it just kept going off. And imagine, like, imagine the loudest, most irritating alarm clock you have ever heard in your life going off for about 11 minutes, and it just can't be turned off, no matter what you do. Everybody's coming out of offices. People are coming out of their cubicles. The general manager's walking downstairs and saying, what the hell is wrong with your radio station? I'm saying, well, I don't know. It should be fixed. And then I'm on the phone, and then I'm getting voicemail when I call the engineer, and it's all very frustrating. 
Anyway, so that's fixed. Uh, I can't rule out the fact. I can't. I don't know whether it's going to happen today. Because there's all this, uh, as Tim said, all of this green on the Doppler. So, Our towers collapsed in 1971 from a storm. Jesus, look at that. Yeah. That's completely tipped over. So let's not write that off. So, so we're just getting started with today's fun. Anyway, uh, so if there's any sort of interruption in the signal later on, if we just uh, pop off, as they say, and then reappear, that's why it is, because of the wind. So, in any event, there you go. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Is there an open channel somewhere? I got that weird hum in my my left left headphone. Just you and Tim. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up later on today. Uh, We got a snuff watch coming up today. And, you know, speaking of a snuff watch... I mean, it's Norman Mailer. I was just, Mailer. I was just watching uh, When We Were Kings last night, which is the the probably the a the definitive Muhammad Ali documentary, and b it's the documentary of the seventy was it seventy four I think the seventy for the Rumble in the Jungle mm-hmm. uh, between Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. Just a fantastic film. I mean, if you're a boxing, even if you're not a boxing fan, my wife doesn't you know my wife doesn't uh, doesn't care at all for boxing. You couldn't couldn't give uh, couldn't give two squirts as they say uh, about boxing. Uh, but she came in about halfway through and said, "What do you?" watching and I said, oh, this Muhammad Ali documentary, be quiet. And she sat down on the couch and watched all the, you know, watched it all the way to the end. It's fantastic. Uh, but Norman Mailer is in that. They weave his commentary because he was at the fight in Zaire. And so they weave Norman Mailer's commentary all the way through the documentary. What a, what a, just a, what a bastard he was. What a curmudgeon. What a dick. He's going to be missed. He really, Norman Mailer really raised just curmudgeonly writing to an absolute zenith, to an art form. Yeah, the headline of the Times, a writing giant with an ego to match. Oh, yeah, no, he was, was just, a, page. just He was just a bastard. Just a bastard and a misogynist and a bit and grumpy and cranky. And I'm brilliant, though, but I'm just an amazing writer. Uh, anyway, so we'll talk about, uh, so the East Coast mourns as Norman Mailer dies. People on the West Coast shrug and say, I don't know who that is. Uh, let's see, uh, Britney Watch. Here's the thing about the Britney Watch. I think we mentioned it with Thursday, and we never got to it. I think we mentioned it with Friday, and we never got to it. And the deal is that every single day we don't get to it, it's almost like it was predestined, because every day she does something else that's just insane and and incomprehensible. Uh, So we'll try to do three days worth of Britney Watches today, later on. Um, Because it's just, I mean, every day this weekend, it's like she goes out of her way. Uh, to do craziness. Let's see what else. Um, Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, we do have the inaugural edition of the Rick Emerson Taser Watch. We'll try to get to that. Uh, let's see. Steve Kastenbaum is going to join us from New York City, where now it's not just the writers who are on strike. I guess this technically happened earlier, but this is but it's now a confluence because I think all the Broadway stagehands are on strike yeah. now. So. Remember, the way to get what you want is always to alienate your customers and fan base. Always make sure that the people who ultimately pay your salary are angry at you. What else? Lisa Desjardins will join us today about I know not what. Um, let's see. Oh, and and how? How? Look at me. Look at me being all uh, with the prestidigitation. You know what I created this morning? I created the top five songs about the wind. Right there. Oh, speaking of the wind, our backup transmitter is only a thousand watts. Yeah, we got a picture of it right here. No, it's it's like, uh-huh. like an old refrigerator, it's like the size of a microwave. Yeah, yeah. But I do believe we're still on the air in the main transmitter, as they say. So, yeah, no, it's it looks like an old Kenmore. Yeah, you expect you expect Gordon Jump to be sitting in front that's of it, old. looking morose. That, that's from the fifties. Yeah. Well, it, it works. That's tiny. Give it a good kick, and on it goes. <laughs> you gotta go ahead and pull start it. 
Uh, all right, so there you go. So we sound just a little bit frazzled at the top of today's show. That's why. Because... It's nicknamed the Power Pebble. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's what it says here. <laughs> Badass. That's going to be my. Says a Power Pebble. That's going to be my wrestling name. Uh, so we're but we're back on the horse, as they say. So there was uh, there was some unpleasantness earlier. Uh, and finally, just as a side note, though, as a little uh, a coda, an addendum to that story earlier about the silent sense. And by the way, that silent sense is something that all radio people just hear in their dreams. You are just it is the most Pavlovian reaction because that silent alarm goes off and you just panic. You just you know because radio people hate dead air. They just hate dead air more than anything. Um, and so we were desperately trying to figure out how to get the backup trend. But, and in the meantime, we hate it so much that um, Lisa from Moving and I, we actually went back there and we, we found the power cable and we just pulled it out of the wall. That was how we solved the problem. Not by getting the transmitter back up, just yanking the cable out of the goddamned wall. Problem solved. All right. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Peter Carlin today, Steve Castamon, Lisa Desjardins, Britney Watch, Geek Watch, Snuff Watch, uh, Top 5 Songs About the Wind. And, um, well, some other crap. I'm sure it's a good top five, but that just sounds so stupid. It does. No, it's retarded. <laughs> and, I mean, and the number of songs that I'm going to get yelled at for having... If there know, isn't any Patrick Swayze, She's Like the Wind on that... Turning the space down. I'm going to be so angry. The, the, no, I'm already going to get... The people are probably already lining up to yell at me about stuff I didn't put on there. We're joined today's Are We Always By... Well, let me do this the other way around. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification today. Why are we going to do some, like, old-fashioned storm news today? Because we can't get away from it. Do we have that storm uh, music ready? Oh, do we have the storm music? I think we do. I think it's... Do somewhere. We're gonna yeah. use it. There, there we you go. go. Yeah, we'll play that later. So anyway, uh, we have 25,000 homes without power right now. In Hillsborough, Malala, and Beaverton, 20,000 in Washington State. That accounts for 2,000 in Clark County. Yeah, that's mainly just Vancouver, though. 18,000, uh, let's see, on the east side, which includes Malala, Eagle Creek, and Silverton. Meanwhile, uh... For some reason, there are lots of people holding people hostage over the weekend, and none get away with it. Excellent. A woman and child are safe after being held hostage by an armed man in the coop early this morning. A plains man surrenders after holding another woman at night point. A Beaverton man shoots his mom in the back. Um, a McMinnville teen dies of alcohol poisoning following a friend's funeral. And we're going to have wind gusts of 85 miles an hour in the coast, but only 50 miles an hour for us. 50 or f- 15? 50. 50. That's still not a, nothing to sneeze at. No. Can knock over a tower or something. And Tom Cruise is not happy that his movie opens in fourth place. In your face, not so. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. I mean, I do feel bad for um, I do feel bad for Robert Redford, who made an apparently fine film, and I do feel bad for Meryl Streep, who is still hot as balls. I do not feel bad at all for Tom Cruise. Thank you, Tim. There was a speck on the counter I couldn't get rid of, and Tim I has believe, now gotten I rid of it. I believe it's a construction flaw. All right, that's okay. Uh, well, let's get a few of these phone calls here, and then we'll find out what everybody did this weekend. Hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Why, hello. <laughs> so I've been thinking about uh, your... Hey, the lights uh, just dimmed. I've been dimmed. thinking about oh, your, no. your, uh, your arguments about Gresham and uh, becomes in with the fact that it's uh, not that great of a place. <laughs> and welcome to all of our... Yes, thank you. <laughs> so I ventured out, so I dared to venture out today. You left Gresham. <laughs> Did you do it with a bindle over your shoulder and like, you know, were you and with Will Wheaton and River Phoenix walking along with you? Exactly. Uh-huh. But there was nothing inside the sack. Did you say to yourself Did you say to yourself at some point, Mr. Frodo, when I take the next step, I'm gonna be the furthest away from Gresham that I've ever been? <laughs> That's exactly what I said. But um so I'm driving, I got a driving job, uh driving this through North Portland on Fessenden and um 
sure enough, talking about all this wind stuff, 20 feet in front of me while I'm driving down the road, a goddamn tree falls in front of me. Oh, we'll see. And that's one of those things where the, the, the God stayed the hand of the tree just long enough. <laughs> and uh, it, took, it took a power line down with it. Oh. And the power line ran right underneath my truck. Well, see, I think you're fine in the truck, though, because if, as I understand it, I believe the rubber of your tires keeps uh, the power from hurting you as long as you stay in the car. Oh, oh, really? I oh, do. I, I don't. I'm not a scientist. You shouldn't use this as like in place of actual science. But I do believe if a power line snaps and lands, like even on the hood of your car, I think uh -huh. that as long as you are in the car, the rubber of the tires protects you some magically somehow. Well, the thing was, the, the it was running underneath the car, and the line was like touching the rubber. Yeah. And so I called 911, but I got out of the car. You should call OnStar, sir. Yeah. Um, and the cop came, the cop just walked right up to the truck, and I'm just like, oh, okay, well, it must be safe. And he said that was just a cable line, so. Yeah, well, you I can never wanted... tell. You don't want to be one of those Darwin watchers that we have where, like, you, where you decide, oh, pick this up and see when, you know, the Not next thing all. you know, they're burying you in a cigar box. Um, yeah. hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. What the hell is Welcome to Day 12? Welcome to Day 12. Uh, Welcome to Day 12 is, uh, that is a reference to Bob and Doug McKenzie's comedy song, 12 Days of Christmas, where when they get to the, they're counting down the 12 days of Christmas like Canadian style, and when they get to Day 12, Bob says, hello, and welcome to Day 12. And it's just like a thing I started saying, no no real reason why. Uh, this okay. is Day 12 of November, by the way. Is it really? So, so it, actually, it actually is Day 12 today, yeah. So you'd, th you'd think that would be the worst thing that happened to me today, but now I'm in scab. Too, so I don't know <laughs> All right. Sorry, sir. We'll try to endure it as best you can. Take it easy. Thank you. All right. Uh, Steve, I see your call. We'll get to Steve and the rest of these uh, folks here in just a second. Uh, we're joined today as are we always with a lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Hello. Hello. This is my wind song. Oh, God. Save it. Hey, save it for the top five. Okay. Don't. Can't give the people too much Swayze too early. Yeah, too, all Swayze all the time. Yeah. Uh, I went and saw American Gangster yesterday. Oh, how great is it that? It was so awesome. And that violence that just comes out of nowhere oh. and scars you and then recedes again. It's a great film. It great soundtrack. one of the greatest movies I've seen in such a long time, and it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Especially at that end scene when they're all waiting for the thing to happen. And it's yeah. like, oh, what's going to And you see how, like, you, you sort of, you at least for me, you forget that Russell Crowe can really act. Uh-huh. And then he you see that. He's, like no, himself. he's great. And, I mean, Denzel Washington is always great. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, Ridley Scott. And how unlikable was that um, that cop, though? Oh, totally. Were you just oh. waiting for him to get his? And you knew it. And you, you knew, knew it. it. He always takes that. You know, that kind of person always does the pansy thing. Takes the pussy way out. Yep. No, you. <laughs> I'm not giving anything away because everybody will know. Yeah. Yeah, my whole the whole movement. My just, I want him to die painfully. Oh my gosh, with him and the dog. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, it's a, that's. That a was my friend film, Kyle, who's a dog owner, and we were both like, mm. yeah. I just wanted to like jump through the screen and punch him in the face. No, it's a, it's a really a fantastic film. I mean, it's a lot like Goodfellas and Godfather Two. It's I, very much in that same genre. It's fantastic. I really really like the ending too. Yeah, it's I satisfying. loved that ending. It's a satisfying ending. It was great. It's, and I, it's a satisfying yet strangely unresolved ending. I like that you don't really exactly know all the details. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, that's that, and that's really cool. I really like that. I went on Wikipedia and, and read, because, you know, he's one of those guys that's covered in that American Gangster TV series we were giving away, the, him and Nicky Barnes both. Um, I went up, I read, I looked at uh, his story up on, on uh, 
on Wikipedia, and it is that movie is almost entirely factual. I mean, almost everything in that film is real. Uh, they took very, very little dramatic license with that movie. So I'm glad you saw that. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I really, really liked it. It didn't feel like it was, what, like two hours and 45 it's, it's minutes? Long. It's a long-ass film, but it doesn't feel that way. No, it doesn't have any lags. Like, I remember, I, I really liked Zodiac, but I remember at some points during Zodiac, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. this is getting a little, like, lengthy. But, uh, yeah, during this movie, like, none, nothing whatsoever. Has anybody here seen B-Movie yet? No. no. It's like, I, I kind of feel like I should maybe for cultural Why? relevance. But, well, You can see for cultural relevance when you can get it at CD Game Exchange for $5. I guess that's the thing. That's the thing is I realize I don't want to see it, like, for its own sake. I mean, I'm, I guess maybe I could see it because apparently the, the, the kids love it. And or whatever, or somebody does. But I just I realized that I just don't care, and I don't want to watch it. So you know, I just didn't. So I said, screw that. Uh, so instead, I'm now you know being like eight months behind everybody else. I saw the new Pixar, newish Pixar film, the the Ratatouille film for Pixar, which is fantastic, of course, because it's from Pixar. But I just realized I had no desire to see B movie. I mean, whatever. God God bless Jerry Seinfeld. It's a funny guy. I just have no uh, no desire to see that. I don't think a lot of people do. Well, it's number one, but I think that's only because of the attrition of the other films, because American Gangster was number one, but of course everything kind of falls off. In the, and there's nothing else that's open, and it was any good. Everything else that opened was kind of crap. Uh, all right, well, let's see. Uh, we'll get these other calls here in... Well, let's do these now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Hey. Happy Monday. Hello, sir. Um, can, I, can I tell you a really short story? I um, see no way of stopping you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, th- I believe it was Thursday you had Roger Klein on for the interview. I did. Uh, last and, Wednesday, yes. A Wednesday. And, and, you know, that interview was really good, and I've always been a big refreshments fan. And, and he said all the right things about, you know, a concert creating a sense of community yeah. and sense of right with the world. And that, that was all very fine and good. And then, you know, I have tickets to the Saturday Night Roger Klein show. Right. And I spent the day on Google before that watching all these horrible uh, conspiracy videos, and I was just really down on the human race. Yes. And then I went to this Roger Klein show, and it was everything that that guy professed it was going to be. And when people broke out singing during Mexico, or when he did um, uh, any number of other songs from off the Refreshment Town, let alone Contraband and right. Americano, I was just elated. It was the best show, and I had the feeling that this must have what it, this must have what it felt like. Um, you know, at the Stone Pony in 1975, watching Bruce Springsteen or something like that. And then I, and then, were you able to go to last night's show? I did not. I think it was sold out. I, I talked to you on the way out. It was a big guy in a yellow coat. Oh yeah, <laughs> big guy in a yellow coat. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, and you were really nice. It was nice to meet your wife. Thank you for introducing me. Not at all. Uh, and you were there with your friend Dan. Yeah. Uh, look at that, Rick Emerson. So uh, I went. To, I went to last night's show uh, as well. My wife and I went Saturday and Sunday. And I, I'll, I'll say this: Saturday was great. Um, it, oh, don't say it. No, I was just going to say... You were going to say Sunday was better. Sunday was better. Uh, uh, but, but don't get me wrong. As you said, Saturday, great show. Roger Klein and Barbati did a great show, wonderful show. Sunday, in my assessment, was even better. He did a spot-on rendition of American Girl about halfway through oh. the set, like for no reason. He just kind of threw it out there. Um, it oh, was, that, that, that's a perfect song for him to cover. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, Saturday was a fine show. It was absolutely great. Sunday, something, there was a little bit, some extra spark somehow. Sunday, he had a, just a little bit of extra fire in his eyes for some reason, uh-huh. but that was not the knock Saturday. And by the way, for those who asked about this, he took, and those are not normal shots of tequila he was taking. Those were those were big. Those oh, were big shots of tequila. He was up around six to eight or something. It was it? eight. By my count, by the count of myself, uh, Lara, and then uh, our friend Amanda who was there, um, 
we counted eight shots of tequila during that Saturday show, and those, so those were those large shots that he was taking. So yeah, well, it was great, to, though. He had to be sweating half of that out, though. Yeah, no, it was it, it was amazing. Like I said, I'm not trying to, to, to you know to taunt you about this. Sunday was was probably even better in my opinion, but they were both really good. So I'm glad you made it out. It was yeah, it's fantastic. It, show. Was, it was it was fantastic. And okay, and you got to give Saturday a little touch of Jane says, you know. Yeah, he threw in Jane says halfway through whatever that other song was. It was just fantastic. Anyway, I I couldn't wait to call you today and say great show, man. Great. Thank you, my All friend. Right, keep the word. Bye. All right. There you go. All right. There you go. Fantastic. Roger Klein. Um, the GV, and neither of you guys actually made it out for that, because I kind of had my eyes peeled, as the case was. No, so, no. Well, you were busy, because you had the Lisa thing going on. Yeah, and whatever, and, so. yeah, Lisa had her baby, but then not only that, then my friend's other kid had his appendix burst, and so he had to go to the hospital. So Lisa's at home, you know, with a brand new, like, two-day-old baby, while Jay has to go to the hospital Covered again. Covered no, it's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> I swear to God, it's like an exact combination of them. It's really cute. Because it doesn't make any noise or anything, and it just right. kind of lays there and looks oh, adorable. Cherish the, cherish the appendix. No, the appendix just lays there. The it's the cutest little ruptured appendix. <laughs> We're going to put a hat on it. Um... It reminds me. Parents feel about their children. Hey, look! If you look at if you look on my refrigerator at home, Laura and I, we use the exposed side of our refrigerators like a sort of a weird scrapbook. We put, you know, concert tickets and pictures and whatever up there, postcards. She has this Polaroid picture on the side of the refrigerator at home of her posing with a kidney in a pan because it's when she helped she assisted with a kidney transplant early on in her uh, in her nurse education. So it's a picture of her like posing like with a big grin on her face next to a kidney that's up there, and it says like it says like I love this kidney or something. So so people. Stranger things have happened. Um, so, yeah, so thanks to everybody. Uh, Amanda, Steve, Ken, um, and Dan, uh, all, who I met at the Roger Klein show this weekend. Again, I don't have to go on and on about it, but it really was fantastic. So if you were there, you saw it. If not, you should catch it next time. Tim and I saw Glengarry Glen Ross last night. It was outstanding. Uh, yeah, we saw Glengarry Glen Ross, and Joni was there, too, at um, at PSU, which was... I mean, I don't, you know, I want to do too, too much of a breakdown of it, but um, but it was pretty great, and it was great to see. I'd never seen Glengarry Glen Ross the play before. I'd seen the movie a billion times, of course, um, and I'd read the play, but I'd never seen it. So, uh, so congratulations on a good uh, performance of that. There's a review of it on my blog. Is there? Yeah. Excellent. Uh, we'll do this other column. We've got a very apparently a very special birthday happening today. I'm just trying to get rid of all this business here in the in the opening in the opening segment, and then we'll move on because um, we got all this stuff cropped up from the weekend. Other than that, I didn't really do. Uh, a whole lot this weekend, although I will say this. This story is uh, maybe half interesting, half, I don't know, maybe half awkward. Um, so I went to uh, I went to the doctors on Friday. I'll just tell the awkward part of this first. So I went to the doctor on Friday, because I'm part of that recently discussed 48% of Americans that just can't get to sleep at night. And I'm talking about I just cannot get my brain to wind down. And it seems like a bad idea just to start taking my wife's Vicodin for that problem. So I go to the doctors on Friday. And I'll skip to the end of this. Where I get home, this is what you always want to see. I get home, and there's an email in my inbox saying, Hey, I was sitting right next to you at the doctor's office today. I almost thought about saying hello, and then I didn't. She was actually, actually she was very, very polite and very courteous about it. And she actually said, she's like, I almost introduced myself and, you know, love the show. And she's like, at the end, I decided that, you know, a person has the right to be left alone at the doctor's office. But apparently, this woman who was sitting in the doctor's waiting room right next to me, she had toyed with the idea of, as she walked by me to go meet with the doctor, because she got called before I did, she was actually going to, gonna, gonna, uh, she had toyed with the idea of walking by and whispering something about um, about butt hash. That was going to be like her code word for being a listener. So Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. So I appreciate the, uh, the gesture. Thank you. So, um... 
But so the doctor loaded me up with this, what is it, trazodone, I think is what it's called. Trazodone, tratazone, something. It's some sleep thing you take. Uh, you know, if you're just a nitwit who sits here and stares at the ceiling and like this is the sort of thing that I do. I go, I'll like I'll go to bed and I don't go to bed any before midnight because it's just pointless. Like I'll never get to sleep if I go to bed before midnight. But I will go to bed at like midnight, twelve thirty something, and I will stare at the ceiling, and I will sit there for an hour going like, well, I don't know why do they call it a pound sign? That just doesn't make any sense. They, they, where do they get that? And I'll just, and I'll just fixate on some tiny, small little thing, and just to, to, you know, to the exclusion of sleep. So the doctor loads me up with this drug called trazodone, and apparently it's all the rave with, with the young people now for, for sleeping. But they did warn me with a straight face that possible side effects include, of course, all of the normal side effects, like with everything: nausea, vomiting, liqu- liquefaction of your bowels. The other, the great interesting side effect that this one has, though, is. Possible 19-hour prolonged erections. Are you really talking about this? I'm tell- It's a medical fact. I'm just telling you, it's a possible side effect. 19 hours? 19 hours. She did stress that that was, quote, not a good thing, and you should see somebody yeah, about that. not a good thing, and but you shouldn't tell anybody about that. What's that? <laughs> but I just love her, f- the, the phrase that the, the pharmacist told me. She's like, so this may result in... Prolonged arousal, up to 19 hours. And then, and then she actually said, if that happens, you'll want to see somebody about that. I can see you walking around your neighborhood like that, <laughs> walking the dog. I resisted the urge to say, I'll see many people about that. Apparently, I'll have all the time and energy in the world. So, anyway, so there you go. So, I took some of it last night. Uh, that side effect did not occur. But if I do, I don't know if I'm more rested, less rested. It's not I think real... you'd be aware if you were more rested. Maybe. It's not really a controlled scenario because I got to bed late because of the Roger Klein thing. I didn't get to bed till like 2, probably. So, And then I took it at 2 o'clock because I wanted to you know, kind of acclimate my system to it. So I am a little wacky today. Well, there you go. I think that's... I don't think we've had time to talk about anything else. Uh, well, damn it all to hell. Uh, we do have a celebrity birthday coming up, though. It's all very exciting. Uh, around the corner, more of your calls. Somebody calling about enlightenment. And somebody calling out the quote, electric chair. Uh, plus, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, Tim Riley's new news hour. More from Sarah Dillon. Top five wind songs and a fantastic suicide we didn't get to last week. Stay there. It's Rick Emerson. I had to buy, what was it I got one time? It was uh, Ativan. I got some Ativan a few years ago, just a one-time thing. And I swear to you, the, the, the going in and seeing the guy and getting the Ativan, it was like $200, something. So, yeah. that's yeah. expensive. All right. Uh, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, let's get these while we're waiting for Lisa Desjardins to join us today. Already two minutes late. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, yeah, I was actually calling about the uh, the electric chair. Of course you were. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, this is all goes back to uh, something Bush. Well, the media did with Bush's quote, and it really isn't about the electric chair. It's about quotes. Uh, when people use them wrong and they they put people's put words in people's mouths and then put them in quotes. So what are we, what are we speaking about here? Okay. Well, a, a while back, Bush said something completely wrong and incorrect and. Stupid, and then uh, Fox quoted him that sentence that he said, but they corrected it and put it in quotes. 
Like, he said something just really, I don't even remember what it was, but he said the wrong word. Well, the, the press does this, um, they do this, there's this thing that they used to say with, uh, I think it was with Harry Truman. And what the press always joked about with Harry Truman is they said, don't don't write what he said, write what he meant. Uh, and I do notice that the press, and more and more specifically the actual White House, when they put up the transcripts of what George Bush says, and this is simply a linguistic observation, I think anybody, regardless of your persuasion, has to acknowledge this, he really can't speak his way out of a wet sack. But when they, when they put up the transcripts on the White House. Amazingly enough, it's like he's, I mean, it's like he's Noel Coward. I mean, it really, it really is like he's Mario Cuomo by the time they transcribe it. Great. So what is it, what, where are we going? What is the, what is the bottom line here? Where, what are we talking about? Well, uh, forgive me, I'm sick, so I'm kind of loopy, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, the dog said something too, and you said it the other day, these felt like he was going to the electric chair. Oh yeah, dog the bounty then, hunter, yes. And then CNN put it in quotes, and they, they corrected the, the spelling, and it said electric chair, and I just thought that was hilarious. That is... That's funny that they not only correct President Bush, they correct like authentic hillbilly gibberish too. Jesus. They should have done like apostrophe electric chair. Yeah, because what you and the funny thing about that is, is it's trying to make that guy seem more intelligent, which is really just a losing proposition. I mean, if you look at that guy who has both a comb over and a mullet, and like he's wearing all just a bunch of tacky jewelry that you buy by the side of the road in Tempe, Arizona. I mean, it's it's just there's no way you can make that guy seem smart. And so it's kind of funny that they attempt that task of making him look brighter than he really is. All right. Yeah, I, love, I love the Dreamcatcher earrings. They make his mullet yeah. look even more beautiful. Completes the whole ensemble. Uh, yeah. How are you ill today, sir? With what are you sick? Uh, everything in the chest, bronchial, Ugh. just coughing up stuff. That's and, going around here. Everybody's um, got the whole uh, head cold, uh, you know, yeah. chest full of crap. Yeah, so we'll... I, I guess this would have been a better cough. I would just describe what I'm coughing up. That, please don't. Take a picture, though. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Um, hey, I'm looking down. It's 1140. Oh, there she is. Maybe. Maybe it's Steve Kastenbaum. I don't know. We'll let Richie check it out. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Happy, very crappy Monday to you guys. Yes, sir. Best, uh, best freaking show ever. Thank uh, you. Uh, a couple things. Uh, number one, uh, effing wind. I mean, just, you know, it makes everything worse. I've said that for a long time. It's like if it's cold, wind makes it way worse. If it's raining, wind makes it way worse. Wind so, is the so worst wind. element on earth. It is the worst of all elements. I it can, is. I, I mean, I don't love, you know, heat, cold, rain. I can take any of those elements. The wind, I cannot abide. The wind is the one thing I just cannot take. No, it's, it, it is the one thing that just, you know, uh, just raises my, my blood, uh, as they say. Uh, second thing, um, uh, you, you know, I totally share your, uh, your sleep pain. Man, I, you know, I have to actually, uh, either, you know, sit down, play video games, or watch TV, and just literally make my, my mind so, uh, dead. I have to drain my mind, you know, to, to be able to fall asleep, and it just, just sucks. Yeah, no, that's a disgusting phrase, but I get what you're saying. And it's, no, and, and, and you just, you know, we this is we talk to this to death because uh, everybody on the show, especially I think Sarah has this problem too, where you just sit there and you're just staring at the ceiling, going, "I yeah. got to get to sleep." There's this old, um, there's this old Woody Woodpecker cartoon, and um, there was this, and I forget what it is. It's like Woody Woodpecker is doing this thing where he's trying to get to sleep because he wants to get up and go fishing the next day. Yeah, I, I think. Know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I and and it, big bloodshot eyes going crazy. Yeah, he finally gets to sleep and his alarm goes off. Yeah, exactly. And there's this one, and yeah, exactly. You remember the cartoon too, where he gets to sleep totally. and just as he nods off, the alarm goes off. And there's this one moment about halfway through this cartoon where Woody Woodpecker is trying to get to sleep but he can't, and he just snaps and he goes, "I gotta get to sleep," and he takes like a baseball bat to everything in the room. Room. 
I am 34 years old. I haven't probably seen that cartoon since I was 10, but it haunts me because that's what I think of every time I can't get to sleep. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with I'm you. I'm 36. I know exactly what you're talking about. And thirdly, here's a, I, I want to enrich the audience and yes. uh, kind of pursue to the sleep. And I, I try to you know figure out like what the hell is it that's keeping me awake anymore. And uh, so I, I've been kind of diet conscious. I, I'm not too, uh, to Tim Riley's... Uh, you know, his, I haven't gone, you know, vegan or right. uh, haven't gone crazy, but I'm trying to, you know, I, I'm big on education. I'm just not great at the practical application of said education, but I'm really big on, uh, you know, uh, you know, the diet, the crappy American diet. And I, you know, I want to, uh, I got a, I'm not a big pimp on things. I, you know, big time pimp your show, of course, but, uh, there's a, uh, a a movie that just came out. It's a little indie documentary called King Corn. Saw it over the weekend, and it's done half of the duo. It's kind of a Super Size Me-esque sort of show. And uh, half of the duo of this, this uh, these two buddy partners from college, uh, one of the guys named Kurt Ellison, he's a Portland native. And uh, he was actually at the show the other night. It was down at Hollywood Theater. And it's just a documentary on the American corn industry. Holy crap, everybody's got to go well, see it. It here, is the best here, thing ever. Okay, and here's the thing, and I, and I hate to jump in like this. we got Lisa on the on the hotline now, but uh, King yeah. Corn, I will definitely check it out, my friend. Big time. All right. right Thank on. you, Thanks. sir. Thank you. There you go. I'll let you know how the drugs work out, too. Thank you. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. See it on radio. Chorus. Founded Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Hello. How are you, sister? What's up with you? Good. You know, suddenly I'm kind of, and I don't even like this stuff, but now I've suddenly got a craving for candy corn. Now, let me just tell you, first of all... What is that stuff? First of all, the prep sheet says Lisa Goddard again. I know. Those guys... You know, I don't know what it is, but they just, they refuse now. now. Are they trying to undermine you? It's actually blatant. Now they are actually commenting. As, as far, like You guys were honest about it. You're like, you know what? We don't like it, but we know it's your choice, whatever. These guys, oh, we love it. It's great. It's great. No, we are going to force you to stick to your old name uh, surreptitiously. Yeah, it's not right. <laughs> All right. Um, the, <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, candy yeah. corn, uh, candy corn is just, I believe it is just corn syrup and, and uh, uh, a honey-flavored extract because it tastes like honey. Okay. Oh, okay. Also, let me tell you this. I also love candy corn, but you know now what I love even more, and because somebody did this at work, you you mix candy corn with an equal portion of dry roasted peanuts. Really? It doesn't seem like it would be good, but it's fantastic because, of course, because candy corn tastes like honey. So what it really ends up tasting like is peanut butter and honey, which is a fan, you know, which is great. That does sound good. Dry roasted peanuts with an equal amount of candy corn. Put that in a bowl, stir it up, uh, stick your hand in. Uh, you'll be 15 pounds heavier by the end of the day. Wow! Put on some bread with some banana. No, uh, see, I can't get with the banana thing. You don't like I mean, the peanut butter and banana, or the I, honey and banana? I'm not with banana in any form, shape, uh, matter, manner, or form. I'm, I'm, I like the banana. No, I can't. I got a whole thing. I think it was instilled into me because my mother is allergic uh, to them and so as a result I was always like I don't know I think as an early child uh, you know my early childhood I just associated them with unpleasantness and so now I just can't eat them oh, oh. Uh, all right how's life how was your weekend hey it was well it's good you know it was mostly uh, my 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 brother's boyfriend turned 50 and it's really fascinating because uh, the two of them were 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 very were, were very they were very gay they were gay before gay was cool and so they came up to DC uh, to it really is kind of a sad comment that I really know the gay scene in DC much better than those guys and I was really of the three of us I was much more comf the one who was the most comfortable in DC's gay bars but uh, now so well, I took them out so that they would have their quintessential. Uh, night out in D.C. So this now, but this does require further than queries on my part. So yes. not so much about why they're not familiar with the gay scene, but now are you just a, an aficionado of gay bars? <laughs> I, if I, I may ask such a question. You, of course you may. I, I've got nothing to hide. I lived with three fantastic gay men when I first moved here. 
and uh, and one of them was a dear friend from college, and he was actually in my wedding, and uh, and so those guys completely knew it. I mean, they were connected. They knew what they were doing. They they lived the life. You know, I would I was working overnights. I would come downstairs. There'd be this gourmet dinner, and then everyone would get ready to go out, and it was just sort of this. Why would you ever leave that house? I mean, I look. I understand you're married and you're exactly. forward and never leave that. I'm just right. saying that seems like the best of all possible environments. It, it was ridiculous. They fashion advice. It really was. It, <laughs> it's the exact stereotype that they probably don't want, but it was true. I would, you know, I would wholeheartedly. I'm just saying for me now. I would wholeheartedly embrace such a stereotype. Exactly. Because look, let's be honest. I mean, that I am just a, I am just a, a, a I'm just a, a boring, straight American mutt. And so the only stereotype that gets applied to me is like hee-haw and fish sticks. <laughs> no, come on. So no, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm just saying. The, there are certain stereotypes that I would gladly exchange my own for. Well, so. you know, I do have to say, whenever I bring this up, you know, especially when I when I talk about my knowledge of DC's gay scene, um, I need to also present my my conservative credentials because I don't want anyone saying, "Oh, I know she's a Democrat." You know, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I am also, fascinatingly enough, to myself, uh, I'm also a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution to try and uh, keep people guessing. That is adorable. <laughs> I have to say this, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. That is that is absolutely precious, is what that is. <laughs> That's really, you know, yeah. I don't know if anybody's pointed this out, but you do realize that you are, in fact, an honorary Gilmore girl, right? You oh, do. no, but that makes me very delighted. All of all of these things, you are an honorary creation from the mind of Amy Sherman Palladino. <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't even know what we're talking about today. Well, it's Veterans Day, which, right. I, and I don't mean to sound like a crank. Yeah. I don't mean to sound like a crank. It does seem like. A great way to honor the veterans would be for veterans to get the day off and everybody else to keep their asses at work, keeping the government that they protect operating. <laughs> I mean, I'm not just saying that because I can't get to the bank. It, it just, uh, it, I don't know, it's always puzzled me. I don't really care that much. It always puzzled me, though, that the government shuts down today. Today is the day that the government ought to function uh, it, with full glory and splendor, uh, but that veterans ought to get time and a half or the day off or something. Right. That's, you know what? I think you've got a legitimate point. It, it is empty here. There is no one in the Capitol, and it almost made me nervous. You know, what if something happens in the Capitol? You right, know? right. It's me. Um, and then I know that there's, I don't want to get too serious here, I know there's a little bit of a, something happening with, with veterans' benefits, and you always hear, I guess no matter where the veterans' benefits are, you always hear that they're not high enough, and maybe that's true. But what what, what is happening, actually? Well, there's multiple problems. One is that when we went, when we launched the Iraq War, the U.S. did not plan for the amount of disabilities that we've had. And part of that is because our equipment has improved to the degree where people who in other wars were were died from their wounds have survived, but because they've survived, they they have survived with very serious injuries, uh, many times losing limbs, those kinds of things. We've seen these stories, right. and and but there are many more veterans that need uh, that high level of service than the U.S. planned for and budgeted for. So that's one issue, and 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 that's on top of uh, problems in budgeting. That go even that were that were on their way even before the Iraq War. So you take all of those issues. The the Veterans Administration is struggling with all of this, and meanwhile, uh, the Congress has passed uh, and is getting ready to pass a bill, a veterans bill that would increase the funding for the Veterans Administration. But uh, the Bush administration has told Congress, listen, we're putting a total cap on your spending. We're going to veto any spending above this level. And, and they're saying that's for all of your budget bills. So now Democrats are sort of 
trying to figure out how they're going to pass all of uh, some significant increases in spending for the VA and other uh, in other bills without hitting this veto threat, and it's created an incredible stalemate, and neither side is budging, and all of these budgets are in the middle, including the veteran budget. Well, all right. Well, there you go. There you go. So, all right. I, and I, you know, I just, I, I don't have the stomach to pursue that anymore today because it just, it just, it, it ends up just being an incredibly frustrating and sort of angering issue uh, for me and for a lot of people. So. And you're going to hear both sides be absolutely convinced the problem is not us. The problem is the Democrats are stonewalling. No, it's the White House that's stonewalling. The truth, of course, is neither side is giving an inch, and, and that's why we have this problem. Now, the president, to his credit, in a West Wing kind of way, has come up with a very uh, a tricky a, a strategy that, that makes it very difficult for the Democrats to pass these bills the way that they want to. And he and the, the veto power is on his side. He's got the ace there. All right. Uh, are you on tomorrow? Uh, I am not. I, I think I am on tomorrow. You know, I'm going to Las Vegas. Oh, that's right, because of the with uh, Jim Root. with Roop. Okay, well, if we if we don't talk to you tomorrow, if you are in Root, uh, then we will talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, very soon. Then, but yeah, have a safe. If we don't talk to you for then, have a safe trip. Okay, great. Thank you, Lisa. All right. All right, go. Thank you. Thank you, Del Paxton. See if Steve Castabama still attempted to get through. Yeah, that's. Uh... Oh, there we go. Only one minute. Yeah, I just said that we start a little late with Lisa, and then the whole. Uh... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, it's Dave the Carpenter. Dave, what's up? Hey, did you get your fan fixed? No, no, but thanks for rubbing salt in an open wound like that. I appreciate it. Oh, come on, man. No, is it easier to follow us? I haven't. I spent all this weekend high on sleeping pills at the Roger Klein concert. No, I, no, I haven't gotten it That would have been the perfect time to do it. I suppose. What's up? Not much. Just wanted to uh, this make is sure you got really... my email. Oh, uh, did you email me about, about fixing the ceiling fan? I did. Um, no, you know, in fact, uh, yeah, I, I saw it. I haven't... Uh... I haven't done anything, responded to it yet. I got the larger issue. I got the couch uh, to deal with, and then and then we'll move on to the fan after that. Well, as you noted in my email, you're uh, you're sort of deaf on the couch scene. Thanks. Thank you. It's all right. Bye. Do you walk my dog? Bye now. Bye. What? Everybody, People are weird today. Everybody's weird. It's a strange day. Let's welcome now to the room. See how weird Steve is today. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hopefully I can bring some semblance of normalcy back to the broadcast. There's, it's not, a, as we often say, it's not a bad day. It's just a weird day. There's just there's something in the air, and I know that it's not just because I'm high today. So, And by high, I mean high on life. Um, I have this new... Um, I have this new sleeping remedy that was prescribed to me on Friday, and the doctor let me know that it takes about five days of constant use for your body to acclimate to it and for the, the sort of loopiness to sort of go away. Mm-hmm. And I'm on day two, so, you know, by Thursday I'll be back to some semblance of normalcy. I love those drugs that, that you know, have all sorts of weird effects for a couple of days or a week before they finally, you know, reach their desired effect in your body. Friend, you don't know from weird effects. I, I just... I won't go. I won't go on about this. I won't go on about this at length today, so to speak, because I know Sarah feels I've already spoken about it too much. Um, I will simply. Are you going to talk about your drugs again? I'm just going to make this one observation. Don't to Steve. talk about it, Steve. If the doctor ever decides to give you a sleeping drug called trazodone, mm-hmm. if they don't mention this, um, it, although the woman did take great pains to explain it to me in detail, apparently one of the possible side effects of trazodone is a period of what we will call. Um, Male uh, uh, tumescence that can that lasts for 19 hours. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly that was my response. I went, wow, really? And she goes, and this is the best thing. This is. 
Okay, I have to let me just interrupt myself for a moment. Don't you let don't it bother you. I'm just wondering why would so, I have no idea. You know what? I'll call Laura. Steve probably can't hear that, but I'll there's someone Laura ringing on, on the cell phone and see if it's her calling. Okay? All right, thank you. Okay. Um, and in any event, but the the woman made the greatest comment to me though. She goes, "So this may happen, and it may last 19 hours." And I said, "Really?" And she said the greatest thing. She said, "So if that happens, quote, you don't want to see somebody about that." End quote. <laughs> And I just, there's so much I could read into that, and I chose, you know, so anyway, so there you go. Um, well, there's a couple things happening. First of all, this is not really um, sort of off topic, but Norman Mailer is dead, and I know that that's, especially on the East Coast, especially in New York, Norman Mailer dying, that's a big thing. It is um, yeah. less so maybe in the rest of the country, depending on where you live, but of course, co-founder of the Village Voice, uh, celebrated author of you know the, the, the Naked and the Dead and the Executioner song and just on all around curmudgeon and so he will be certainly missed by by the folks in the in the East Coast literary community. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, but but you know, there's so many people. Uh, I, I want. I'm going to sound like I'm dating myself here, but there's so many people below a certain age that just have no idea. Right. You know, you know what he what he means, what he meant to the literary world here. You know, like if I mention this to my younger cousins who are in their young twenties, they don't even know who he is. I will say this: that uh, I was, um, and again, you know, it's not not anybody's fault. Sarah wasn't necessarily really familiar with him because he is so much an East Coast thing or a generational thing. I only know because I read. I lived in Utah, and I read the Executioner song because you know there was the whole um, Gary Gilmore thing, and. I was just again last night, by coincidence, watching When We Were Kings, which is the documentary of the Ali Foreman fight in 74, oh, and Norman Mailer covered it and is all through the film talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is a classic. And just, you know, just a, just a great, very, he, it, it's sort of a cliche to say, you know, they don't make him like that guy anymore, but they really don't because he had that weird combination like Hemingway or in a weird sense like, like Hunter Thompson almost, where it was this... Incredible intelligence with like this sort of brute sort of grumpiness. Yeah. Do you think he'll be looked upon, you know, twenty, thirty years from now as a Hemingway type in the way that you know Hemingway was was a popular author in his day. He was a bestseller, and it was. I feel like it wasn't until after his death that his mysticism, uh, mysticism. I'm, I'm using the wrong word here because it's Monday. But his mystique. His mystique. Thank you. Uh, grew. I think that the thing about that May, Norman Mailer will be and welcome to the Rick Emerson Book Club. The, the, I think Norman Mailer will be remembered as being an archetype of mid twentieth century masculinity, and I do believe that because he was very much into the notion of being a man and like Hemingway of manhood and what it meant and right. all of that. Well, all right, there you go. Um, hey, uh, so let's now travel to the opposite end of the spectrum. We were talking about manhood. Let's now talk about Broadway. Yeah. Uh, so that what all these guys are on strike, and this happened actually before the writers' strike, but it's sort of dovetailing with that so it's on both coasts now there's this there's this creative strike going on and but i guess that like that mel brooks thing is still running you know it's really weird but there are 27 shows on broadway that affected by this strike 27 major productions and then there are eight that are still running so uh those eight have separate contracts with the union uh and so they're they're able to continue on but it, it's kind of weird because it's, it's, it's potluck whether you had uh, tickets to those shows or not. Before you came to New York City, you get here, you find out that uh, the, the show that you bought tickets, you know, five months in advance because you knew you were coming to New York, all of a sudden you find out it's not uh, running. It know? seems like that is even more so than the Writers Guild. It seems like these stagehands or, you know, the, the, the crew who are screwing all of these people who, as you said, bought tickets five months ago, they show up to see Wicked and they can't get in. Alienating your customer base is not the way to go around about your business, you know? 
It really isn't. But they were saying that, you know, they had no choice, that they were being uh, incredibly disrespected at the bargaining table and that they were pushed into this strike. They had no choice that the uh, producers and theater owners weren't budging. Basically, this is all about work rules, and uh, the contracts call for a certain number of stagehands to be present at a certain size production, and it gets really, really um, uh, specific as far as, you know, if, if, this is, if this is going on within the production, then you need this many stagehands. If there are this many people in, in the audience, if the house seats this many people, then you have to have this many stagehands available during it. If it's a musical or a drama, there's a lot of these rules, and the producers and, and the theater owners are, are saying, you know what, we, we don't we don't think we need all these stagehands anymore. Well, all right. Well, I just look, I, it's just one of those things. I guess it'll all work itself out, but it, there's going to be a whole lot of angry tourists, so I'm glad I'm not the one who has to deal with it. It's a really bad time of the year for this, because between now and, and Christmas, or even New Year's, really, you know, thousands of people come to New York, and they have this tradition of going to the Broadway oh, yeah? shows, you know, yeah. the holidays. Yeah. All right, my friend, big plans today? Uh, big plans today. You, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the pulse of the people of New York, uh, because we just found out a little while ago that the Pope is going to be coming to the U.S. I saw that. He's the scariest of all popes, by the way. <laughs> I would say he's the sc- I can say this as a uh, fallen Catholic. He's the scariest pope we've had in quite some time. Is that his moniker? Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, the scariest pope in a long time. Pope Benedict the Creepy. Um, <laughs> He uh, he just he has this look like he uh, gnaws on the bones of children at home. That's all I'm saying. And I just he just looks menacing. And uh, you know I, I I mean I'm sure I'm sure he's a I'm sure he's a fine person. But he's just you know the weird here's the thing. And I don't mean to get off into a whole uh, thing about this. But the thing about Pope Benedict that creeps me out is all of his weird contradictions, like the fact that. And I understand that he he has explained he has explained that this was just something that happened sort of without you know the, he he um, what am I trying to say he said that th- th- this should not be looked on negatively that it was just that time and that place but the f- the fact that we have a pope who I believe was one of the Hitler youth yeah. and I and I do believe there's a photograph of him uh, dressed up in all of Hitler's scary regalia so you have on one hand. The fact that he was in the Hitler Youth, on the other hand, the fact that he walks around now in what look very much like ruby slippers. So I'm just saying he's a little creepy to me because it seems like you're getting a weird mixed psychotic bag there. But that's just my assessment. So. Well, I'm going to go out to the streets around uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral and see how folks uh, feel about the Pope coming to New York. Please do. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. See Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right. There you go. You held up well. Well, now I'm going to look at the hotline and see if it actually rings. The the, the thing that bugs me about that is, I don't mean to be complaining, I know that Steve... Well, there's nothing we can do. I mean, you can't tell the person to stop calling. Well, and I know Steve and Lisa can't uh, hear it, but I know that it goes out over the air, and it just kind of bugs me, because I know every time it happens, I kind of go, ugh, and I sort of jolt jolt a little bit. Staring at them. And of course, now they're not calling. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for putting annoying beeps through all of Steve Kastenbaum's interview. Thanks so much, whoever you are. All right. Back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Um, the hell else? Oh, top five wind songs coming up. Uh, a fantastic suicide story. Britney Watch, Snuff Watch, Geek Watch, Taser Watch. You say there's the Rick Emerson show. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Oh, by the way, uh, you go to rickemerson.com. You can check out all of our, uh, all the submissions for the, um, I'm sorry, this email. Rick, you should add more busy signals. 
Your station doesn't have enough busy signals. Thank you. Uh, if you go to rickemerson.com, you can see uh, the three leading submissions for the Mr. Jenky logo contest. You can see the three. Like We have one from a guy, let's see, Rick, Eric, and I think, um, oh, I'm such a jerk. Steve, I think, is the other one. Dan, Fred, Tom, Jim, something. Uh, you go to rickemerson.com, there are uh, three logo submissions for Mr. Jenky, who says, don't ferment me, kids. Uh, there you go. We'll, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll pick one by the end of the day and we'll give that person, I don't know, some crack from the, um, from the prize vault or whatever. And then, uh, and everybody else just gets, uh, esteem and glory. It's 503-733-2970 at the Ministry of Truth. Here's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Hi, wings are hammering over. Cats of 80 miles an hour hit the coast. Apparently, uh, 84 mile an hour winds hit a place called Clatsop Spit, which is north of Cannon Beach. Really? Yes. Clatsop Spit. fathers are proud of that. Clatsop Spit sounds like some sort of disease you get from the hoof of a horse. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. He, uh, yes, he came, he was kicked in the face, and now he came down with Clatsop Spit. We're going to have to put him down behind the bar. Mm-hmm. All right. Or you could be, become aroused and get Clatsop Spit at the same time. If you take certain pills. By the way, this is north of Cannon Beach. Hurricane force winds, by the way, are 74 miles an hour. So these are hurricane force winds. Not here so much, but at the coast. At the coast. Oh, now, no. we're going to get the brunt of the storm at approximately 1 o'clock. Today? Today. Now, what does the brunt mean? I mean, I know what the word brunt means, but how bad is it going to get here? Windy. It's going to uh, curl up umbrellas backwards. Things like that. It's going to knock Little us off. leaves in people's eyes. Knock us off the air another 16 times by the we'll end of the day. we go back to the power pebble again. Don't, uh, one kilowatt don't knock the power pebble. That's, uh, it looks like it's been around here since the 1930s, but it's... You know what the power pebble... The power pebble is the uh, AM970 backup transmitter. The power pebble, you know what it looks like? It looks like one of those dorm washing machines that you get. You know, like when you get in college and it's like a little stacker. It's like a washing machine and a dryer all at once, but the whole thing is just like... The whole thing is the size of a it's small reliable. laundry hamper. It ain't yeah. pretty, but it's functional. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, more than 28,000 PGE customers are without power right now. The cities of Malala, Beaverton, Hillsborough have some of the largest outages, and crews are working to restore that. It doesn't seem like Malala could have that large of an outage because there's only nine people who live in Malala. So it's I don't bigger. Although I guess if you knock out power to only like to eight of those nine people, mm-hmm. that is you know like an 88 percent knockout rate. So. Uh, Sherwood has 2,900 outages, and Malala has 3,000. Then we have in uh, Clark County, about 2,000 customers are without power. And the worst is yet to come. Well, that makes us all feel a little bit better. That's from uh, uh, Cowlitz County, which is further up, has uh, 9,000. So the, the further up north you go toward the uh, Puget. You know, this place is just filled with hick names. Clatsop, Cowlitz. I mean, these aren't the names no, that you Clatsup give. No, Clatsop Spit. I'm just saying. These aren't the names that you give to a, a bustling cosmopolitan type of place. I Where the French might hang out in sample cheese. I mean, I know I'm from Kennewick and all, but I mean, still. All right. But it's fun to have these stories because I love saying these names. And I do love These are exactly the kind of stories we like. Uh, the worst is yet to come. There's really nothing that makes me smile more than a story that is horrible, and then it tells us that the worst is still to come. Listen That's to these. fantastic. The wind tore the roof off the Gearhart Fire Station in Seaside, and here's the best one of all. A malfunction has caused the tsunami alarm to go off. Ah, where? Uh, this is in Seaside. Oh, that's got to be a special kind of panic when you hear mm-hmm. that. That's like us in the morning when you hear the silent sense alarm going off because the station was off the air. When the tsunami alarm goes off. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, let's see, near Umatilla, a wind gust knocked over a semi-truck. The driver's not injured. And uh, do we have anything uh, from further north? No. The wind won't die down until later this evening. And uh, there's going to be a lot of rain. 
So there. There you go. Were there protesters in Olympia today for something? The rain? Oh, protesting. There's somebody uh, uh, who was going to talk to us about Paul was going to talk to us about protesters in Olympia. And then he went away, as callers occasionally do. But I but I, I was sort of intrigued by that. I didn't know what that was referring to. Yeah, I guess I don't care that much. All right, it's Tim Riley. I don't think anybody cares. No, it's just uh, then we have a whole bunch of uh, hostage things going on. Uh, first, an armed man held a woman and child hostage and kept police at bay in Clark County. Early Please tell me he was eventually gunned down. Uh, no. Well, he lost anyway. They were called out to 1906 Northeast 98th Street at 145 after reports of a man threatening to kill a woman and her child. Uh, this uh, guy had a knife and possibly a baseball bat, so uh, the SWAT team got called in, and let's see, shortly after 4 a.m., they were able to get the woman and young child released. The suspect was then taken to the hospital because there were reports that he was suicidal and may have ingested something lethal, so we don't have the guy's name. Clearly not enough. Not enough. Then we have another one. Uh, in North Plains, a man accused of threatening a woman with a knife and holding her hostage in North Plains surrendered to police after three hours. This happened yesterday. Paul James Cron has been taken to jail. According to the sheriff's office, they responded to a domestic violence situation at a home at 313th Place around 11.30 in the morning. The woman at the home would call 911 saying her boyfriend had threatened her with a knife and would not allow her to leave. Uh, so eventually he did. Let's see. Uh, Rick, this email says, I'm out in Hillsboro. While I still have power, things are a-flickering. I'm heading out now to get Carl's Jr. before they lose their power. Pray for me. Done and done, sir. All right, here's uh, Tim oh, Riley. There's a brand new Carl's out there. Oh, wait, here's a great story. I, we don't have, there's no uh, video on this, but listen to this. This is this great story from K2. Um, this, can we turn K2 on a television and watch it by any chance? Do we still have a television there? It's not connected to the board, but no. we can watch oh. it. No, we can't get audio. Well, never mind. Yeah, it no. was just a, it's just going to be a flickering distraction. No, not at the moment, I don't okay. think. Okay. Um, but listen to this. But this headline says it all. Listen to this. Man's choice to use shotgun to loosen lug nut turns out bad. Oh, I like that. Southworth, Washington. A Kitsap County man who was frustrated at being unable to loosen a lug nut decided to use his 12-gauge shotgun. <laughs> the sheriff's office had the Those blast. Those are bad people. <laughs> they are, indeed. Desi peppered the man with buckshot and debris, treated at Tacoma General Hospital. Get that buckshot right in the britches, did he? He'd been repairing a Lincoln Continental for two weeks at his home near Port Orchard. Jesus. There you go. Fantastic. Rick, listener party 11 has to be called hee-haw and fish sticks. You know it's true. Well, we'll look into it. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, some guy from Beaverton shot his mom in the back. 22-year-old Isaac Junkier was in the upstairs bedroom handling what he says. He thought was a BB gun. Turned out it was a semi-automatic handgun. How did he not know? You can really get those two confused. <laughs> the gun went out, the bullet shot through the floor, and wounded his mother's back. Oh, so this wasn't like a duel or something? No, no, no. When you said he was sh shot his mom in the back, I totally had this idea of them back-to-back -back walking ten paces with muskets at dawn or no. something, but he turned early like a gutless coward and shot her. No, this is Beaverton. This no. isn't like Coward of the County. Right? All right. I thought this was like a like the assassination of that guy's mom by the coward robbing Ford. No, they might have been in a hurry to get to Olive Garden or something. All right. <laughs> A two-year-old Salem girl in fair condition after her grandfather accidentally ran over her oh. while moving his vehicle in the driveway. Oh. Uh, the little girl is taken to uh, a manual. She's, she's okay? No, uh, she will be. Alcohol doesn't appear to be a factor. He just wasn't paying attention. Misdemeanor charges have been filed against a young couple accused of burnishing alcohol to an underage McBinville man who died of alcohol poisoning after going to his friend's funeral. It was a pallbearer there. Uh... Reports say Trevor and Savannah Tamuyo, who are both 21, each have been cited with one count of furnishing alcohol to a minor. According to the state medical examiner, 19-year-old Julian Ortiz died of acute alcohol poisoning. 
He had a lethal blood content of 0.43. That's five times more than the uh, presumed level of intoxication in Oregon law, which is 0.08. Ortiz's mother said her son was already despondent from burying his friends, so alcohol was the least thing he needed. Well, people in Clackamas County are thinking aloud about possible crime coming there. <laughs> possible but, crime coming there. Due to the max line going in. May, maybe there will be crime in Clackamas. It might happen at some point. Mm-hmm. That's like saying there might be a little bit of grit and grime coming to Gresham at some point in the near future. So they're trying to deal with the uh, possible crime when light rail comes to their county. An estimate is that by 2025, 47,000 people will be running into Clackamas County every day. I just do love the idea, the though. Because spot of the earth. I, it's... I love the idea that the criminals who would go to Clackamas are actually so poor and stupid that they would not actually even be able... I mean, I'm not trying to slight people who take the max, but really, if you're a criminal mm-hmm. and you're just taking a train somewhere to commit crimes, that doesn't really speak well of your financial success of being a criminal in the past. It seems like if you're an even reasonably competent criminal, you'll have gotten a car or something by the... And this, again, goes back to the, those idiots that robbed the bank up way up on Sandy a couple weeks ago, where... They decided to rob the bank and get away on the train, not realizing that the train stops all the time and that you can't turn it. It just sort of goes in a straight line. So I'm not trying to make thieves any smarter or more efficient. Well, then nothing's going to make them any smarter. Just steal a car first. Yeah. That's what logic would tell. Well, whatever. All right. Uh, let's see. One 24-hour period riding on TriMet buses and max trains by Beaverton police needed a series of arrests for offenses ranging from drug possession to public indecency to shouting obscenities. Oh, public indecency on the max going to Clackamas. No, this is this is in the Beaverton. I'm sorry, in Beaverton. One of those arrested had to be subdued with a taser. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we'll do it. Took place well, last week when people went nuts we'll everywhere. Do, we'll do a taser watch later. We got a whole taser watch coming up. In the past, there have been 543 emergency calls to Sunset Transit Center, 776 to Elmonica Station, almost 2,000 to Beaverton Transit Center. I've been to that Sunset Transit Center. That's a, I'm not saying it's a bad place. I'm just saying it's a little bit of a jungle out there. You could, I, I could see where some real, some, some criminality would take place uh, at that locale. I, well, the Beaverton one is worse. Let me ask you this about the Max, Tim, because this is sort of your, we're in your wheelhouse now. This is your you bailiwick. Yeah. Is, now, is crime on the Max, is that the uh, shark attack of late 2007? Are we just noticing it more? Or is it's there been going in fact, on all along. But it, so there's no upswing in this. It's just no. that the, the bright spotlight of justice is now uh, upon this. Well, Tramit, it, it has finally figured out it really is a bad idea. <laughs> To look for murderers after they kill your customers. <laughs> Perhaps they should do something to stop the bloodshed while it's happening. Be a little proactive about yes. it. Maybe we ought to preemptively uh, do something about these crimes. Because yeah. their policy is to find your murderer after you've been buried. <laughs> which really isn't fitting well. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, as we know, putting up cameras stops crime everywhere. Of course, of course. All it does really is provide low-rent entertainment for the minimum wage with a gun guy who has to sit there and watch those cameras afterward to see exactly who it was that plunged a screwdriver into your eye socket. So, All right. So instead of, of finding <laughs> murderers after they murder, they decided perhaps we should stop them before they kill our customers. It's crazy talk, Tim. <laughs> All right. Did you have anything else to... No. That really is. I don't ride the Max all that often. I'm not opposed to the Max. No. I just don't ride it that often. Um, I'll ride it like you know. The only time I really ride the Max um, for, is like if I'm going to the Rose Garden mm-hmm. late at night because the traffic there is just crazy. 
So I've taken the Max uh, to the Rose Garden occasionally. Um, I think that's kind of it. I mean, I'll take that streetcar, you know, that red streetcar down the street occasionally, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'll do the bus now and again. But I am, um, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not that much of a regular Max rider. So it doesn't affect me. And so of course, if it doesn't affect me, Tim, I don't care about it all that much. I see. Well, it's time for a Taser Watch. Fantastic. Here's your Taser Watch on the Rick Emerson Show. Well, Beaumont, Texas police have arrested a naked man accused of disorderly conduct after a taser failed to stop him. Investigators say they responded to a call about a man trying to get into an 18-wheeler. The man got into it, but then got out and removed his clothing. When a Beaumont police officer arrived and tried to take the naked man into custody, the man began fighting trying with the Trying to what? Officer. The naked man? Take the oh, naked man. Oh, I think something else. Okay. Uh, the officer used his taser on the man, but it had little effect. A uh, second officer arrived and assisted and handcuffed the suspect. Police say the man was violent and combative, prevented uh, EMS personnel from getting near him to treat him. Here's the thing I don't understand about this taser. This, you, you know that eventually on this program we're going to have to have somebody tased under controlled scientific conditions mm -hmm. because we've just got so many questions about these tasers that a, a simple discussion doesn't seem to answer. Um... We had that guy who was telling us the other day that those tasers are designed, because I said, well, what if you were just wearing like a leather jacket or something, uh, as criminals often do? Uh, and he said, well, look, the, the new tasers, they shoot the little barbs out. That, that story, I, I shouldn't laugh. That story about the guy who got the taser barb in his eye, oh. when they tased him, the barb went right through his eye. And the, and the great thing about that is that, I, I don't exactly know how the taser works. I don't know whether the, the electricity is delivered automatically in other words if you press one button and it in one motion fires the taser then automatically delivers the electricity or if it's a two button thing you know you press button number one to hit the target and then you press button number two in a way i kind of hope that it's the latter because i do love the idea of that guy and he was just some i don't know some chainsaw wielding menace i do love the idea of a cop tasing him hitting him right in the eye and then waiting a second to go well, should I? Yeah. You know, and then just tase him right in the eye anyway. Um, so, but the guy, this guy was saying that the taser will actually go through two inches of clothing. Oh. Now, let's assume for the moment your clothing is, is stronger than your skin, I would imagine. That's a little more resistant than your skin. So my question is, if a taser will go through two inches of clothing and, and you're shooting at a man who's nude, does that mean it just goes right like three inches into his body? I'd like to think that that's the case. I realize now as I ask this that no one here knows the answer. No, but it made us all think, didn't it? No, but I mean, I... We're to think about that. Well, think about this, some naked guy climbing into the cab of your truck. You don't want that. That's like some Dawn of the Dead business happening there. All right, well, they tased his ass. All right, fantastic. Well done. That's that. Oh, I have the second one here, don't I? Yes, you do. Uh, the Frederick County Sheriff's Office, I believe this is Maryland, says a resource officer used a taser to subdue a student for the first time since the officers began carrying the devices. Sheriff's Office spokeswoman Jennifer Bailey says Corporal Jody Maybush used the taser at uh, Tuscaloosa High School. Taser. When a teen tried to keep Maybush from taking his sister to the office after a fight, 18-year-old Derek Collin put his arms around his sister and refused to let go when Maybush ordered him to do so. 
After a warning, Maybush gave what Bailey called a low shock, and Holland ran down the hall before collapsing. We are really in a golden age of taser, taser. use right now. I can it really, I can just sense it now. We are entering the taser tunnel here in America. There's your inaugural taser watch on the Rick Emerson Show. That little extra one that makes it. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. That was wonderful. It really was. So we're told uh, 150 uh, PGE repair personnel are out there right now. So, uh... And they they can't say when they're going to have the power back for all you people. So no, they don't of course know. not. You know, can I just tell you this? I don't even really... And this is not me asking for some sort of an explanation. This is like... Because if... It, I never even got an explanation. Let me ask you this. Does anybody know why this thing on the phone is called a pound sign? No. Why do we all call no, it that? It's always been the pound sign. But what does that mean? Like, you never... Have you ever seen that used in... I hate the word signage, but in signs or something at the store to denote oh. 15 pounds? How much is this turkey? No. 12 pounds, and then there's the little hash mark here? No. Oh, why is it called point. a pound sign? No one knows. That I don't. Was, see, that's what I'm saying. But that's the kind of thing that keeps me awake at night. I will. So that's why I have to start loading myself up with trazodone, because otherwise I will sit there for a solid 45 minutes in bed wondering why it's called a pound sign. And should I get up and look it up? No, that's probably not there anyway. How would I find out? I don't know. Well, maybe there's a reason. Let's sit here and figure it out. You know, it just doesn't. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Um, so I'm not asking anybody to call up and 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 tell me about this, but I don't really understand how electricity. Works well. Okay, in, in general, I don't know how electricity works, but specifically, I don't know like why the power's off now. Is that a power line that's been snapped? Yes, in many cases, caused by down trees and limbs. So does that mean to fix it, they have to some guy has to like go and reattach the power line, stitch it back together, uh huh, and move the tree? Now, see, are you just, see, are you just bluffing? No, with that, that is a fact. So, but why can't they just reroute it? You know, don't they have backup power lines? Oh, it's not because it goes into the air. It's not like microwave. It's electricity that runs on a line. But I'm saying... That's uh, why they just can't do that. I guess. I don't even really know what I'm asking. The wire hangs on the pole because the electricity goes through the wire that's hanging on the pole. Yeah. It's a physical thing. In the house that Jack built. Yes. I guess what I'm saying is that I'm glad there are people, and Tim Riley may be among them, I'm glad there are people who know how electricity works because I... I mean, do you ever meet people like that? Like, like, our engineers are all that way, you know? Matt and Brian and Jeremy, those guys are all, uh, they just know stuff that just I could never figure out if you gave me a hundred years in a room with a stack of encyclopedias, I could never figure it out. Like, imagine if, God forbid, some sort of World War Z, the stand, lost scenario where humanity is all devastated and it's up to, like, the five of us to rebuild civilization. Can you imagine coming in and, okay, Tim, you need to get these nuclear power plants back online. I mean, it's, it's, there's no way. Uh, but there are people who just know that kind of stuff. It's just mystifying to me. Yeah. <laughs> you don't care at all about this, do you? I do. I, the, the town of Toodle is now without power. That comes to us from the Cullitz County PUD. Or <laughs> is that P-U-D? Not that it matters. But the rest of these crazy well, names. I would argue that it matters a great deal, Tim. The Cullitz County PUD reports that Toodle is without power. <laughs> Let's take a break, shall we? Fantastic. Excellent. 
Uh, we come back. Phone calls. More of Tim Riley. Later on, top five wind songs. Uh, what else? Brittany Watch. Geek Watch. Snuff Watch. Peter Carlin. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Monday. Stay right there. Back after this. Why, hello. I don't mean for this to be a plug. Um, just making an observation here. Because, you know, some, like if I go to Powell's or if I'm downtown, I'll hit Rocco's and I'll go get a slice at Rocco's. And it feeds you for like a year. I and heard their it, cheese isn't real. Well, I don't know. See, I don't know. I mean, I won't specify. There are other pizzas that you can you eat and you can tell it's sort of like a fake rubbery cheese. And then we had a listener, God bless him, apropos of nothing. And I found out he doesn't even work there, actually, so I can't mention that. He, uh, he had gotten on the air with Roger Klein. Wanted to say thanks. Dropped off some vegan stuff for Tim, and in 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 you know that pizza from you know for us it was like a hundred pounds. And uh, so Laura and I got one of those on I think Thursday, Friday, and I swear to God it's now Monday and we're still not it's, we're still not done with it. I mean because one of those it will feed a family of nine for like a decade. It really, really is, is insane. Um, don't forget the Edwood Film Festival is going on all this week at the Hollywood Theater. By the way. Uh, you ought to go see that. Uh, there's some cleaned-up version of Plan 9, which, according to rumor, may or may not be colorized. I'm unsure about that. Uh, and then some TV commercials um, that he uh, that he recorded apparently late in his career. All right, let me uh, hold on a second. Let's see. Where the hell? Uh, well, first and foremost, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. K-O-T-K! Uh, programmer Emeritus Bruce Agler. Hello, sir. Hi, good afternoon there, all. What, what's up? Uh, well, gee, so many topics all of a sudden have come into my head while I was waiting for you here. Uh, for, first, it sure is windy up here by your transmitter. As you know, I live just uh, just down the street. It's always good to start with weather talk. Yeah. <laughs> we need somebody How to man that transmitter. Well, they used to pay, they, they, Tim and I were talking about, they used to pay a guy who just lived in the transmitter. Uh, and he would just sort of live there, and if something went wrong, he would fix it, and then he'd go sit back down and play canasta. Well, you might be needing it today because it's, uh, it's 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 blowing pretty hard it's up here. It's been unpleasant, yes. I, I actually called you about the trazodone. Are you sure that's what that's what they gave you, huh? I don't know. It's some sleeping thing has a T and a yeah, Z. Well, in well it. I, my my wife has taken that for years. They gave it to her. You don't have migraine headaches, do you? They, they gave that to her because it uh, supposedly keeps you from getting as many migraines. It, it apparently does all kinds of things. Yeah. It's the wonder drug that works wonders. I guess it's a sleeping pill. It is also a low-grade SSRI, which right. is, uh, you know, and then it's also a pain uh, reliever, I guess. So it, apparently it does all kinds. So it's it's become one of those, what do you need? Well, uh, just take this. It's the sometimes why of the drug world. It does well, all kinds it, of things. The reason why I'm, I'm calling is I can't believe that you're actually doing the program today. Because uh, we, well, my wife said, hey, these things sure make you go to sleep. And so one time I was, you know, having trouble going to sleep. And I said, well, why don't you give me one of those things that you take? She said, well, okay. I took one of those things, and, and I took like a third of the dose that she normally takes. Uh -huh. And, I mean, I could not function the next day. It is the worst rummy hangover I have ever had in my life. They did say that the, it does sometimes have long-lasting uh, effects. It does have a lingering sort of ha hangover occasionally. And I don't have that a whole lot today. I mean, no more, no more so than normal. I guess that passes after you've taken it for about a week, but you can't just take it like one. So I mean, I can't believe you're doing the show. Yeah, this is the second time I've taken it. I, I took it uh, a Saturday night, and then I took it last night. Man, well, you're a stronger man than I, Gunkadin, because oh man, that stuff just just made me so rummy the next day. Well, is it? Well, we'll see. I might still pass out. Now, now the pound sign. What what is with the three of you that you've never seen that the the number sign used to to, to designate? Well, pounded. Let's go around the room, Sarah. Have you ever seen the pound sign used to designate weight? No. Yeah, when it follows Tim? a number. No. No. I mean, write that down on a piece of paper, and you'll recognize it. Write write the pound sign 
after a number instead when it's before a number it it means you know number five right and right. You write that the crosshatch thing after a number it's I didn't write down it it doesn't look from I don't think I've ever seen that then they have the British pound sign which is totally different yeah but yeah, see that's not the British no yeah. and I got a bunch of jackals it's for pounds like money which clearly isn't the case no it's, no, it's not it's for pounds like weight yes yeah, like five that's pounds of sugar yeah. yeah the pound sign is like a C or something isn't it in Britain yeah so all right uh, so you're claiming this is a pound sign for weight. There's, there's something wrong with these Northwest schools, apparently. Yeah. What are they teaching? Is well, what are they teaching at Kennewick? Spending too much time Hampshire, on right? Lewis and Clark. Yes. All right. Excellent. Thank you. You're welcome. You're Bruce Agler, ladies and gentlemen. I still haven't seen that anywhere. What? The pound sign. No, it doesn't. It doesn't exist. Um, that's uh, it, it, And it's funny how this is an asterisk, but we've all agreed just to call it a star because asterisk is hard to say. It's kind of weird, actually. You know, it's sort of retrospectively, it's a little, uh, it's a little unnerving that Bruce Cullen. I'm amazed you can do the show. I'd be passed out. I, I'm glad I didn't know that last night, or I never would have taken the drug. So maybe I've just got a stronger constitution, or maybe I'm still at home sleeping, and this whole thing is just a dream. Maybe I'm actually just dreaming that we're doing the program right now, and really the alarm is going off, and it's like 11:30, and I'm just back at the house. Yes, Rick, we're not real people. We're just living our lives in your dreams. That's how important you are. We're lawn gnomes. <laughs> I don't even know which of those two. Uh, I, I don't even know which of those to address. Um, well, here's what we got. Another guy about the pound sign. Somebody about my couch. A guy who had a tree fall into his house. Uh, well, let's do that one. And then we'll have uh, more news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. What's up? Uh, I was about ten minutes into your show sitting on my couch when I hear this flop. And at first I'm thinking it's real windy. I think a big plastic garbage can is blown into the side of my house. Right. I go outside and look, and the neighbor's 40-foot-tall maple tree is blown into my front yard. Totally at ground level, just blew up, ripped it off at the ground. Jesus. Now, did it, now did, it, did it hit your house? Uh, it scratched it. It took out all the took out cable, and it took out phone. Ooh. Oh, that's um, good. But, uh, yeah. A so, 40, and it's like 40, you say 40 years old or 40 feet high? 40 feet high. Jesus. And so it, it, did, it, it, did it rip the roots you sent or did it splinter no, it? Did it's, it sort of, it's like if someone took a chainsaw and just sawed it right at ground level. Just so broke it just it off snapped right there. it clean off. It, yeah. That must be, the tree must be real dry or something. Like, cause you think well, it, would it was bend. real spongy inside. It had some sort of disease spongy. in it. Yeah. I myself am really spongy inside. So. <laughs> um, On the uh, pound thing? Yeah. If you look at, like, old photos, like Mom Pa's Market from the 40s and 50s, you'll see, like, hamburger, and it will say two ninety nine with that after it. All right, so maybe this is an old-school thing that maybe they yeah. don't use anymore because they it's so widely use used as, like, a number. All right. right. Excellent. Yep. All right, thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. Uh, I was thinking about this, the pound sign thing, because I saw the greatest – I'll find this to send it to you. I saw the greatest thing yesterday. It was like a magazine ad from the mid-'60s that Ma Bell had taken out. Oh. And it was like, you'll be noticing two new symbols on the, on your phone. We've added – and it was in the early days of push-button phones. Mm -hmm. So I guess – when would that have been? Like 69, maybe? Yeah, when did, when did push-button phones come into vogue? I think the first ones are on uh, Family Affair. They really? Had, they had that red push button phone, and that's what started the whole the princess thing. Princess phone. Yep. Um, anyway, but it was it was an ad in a magazine saying you may be noticing these two new buttons on your phone. It was the star key and the pound sign, mm -hmm. and you could tell they didn't actually even do anything yet because they said it, it was so great. It was one of those like in the world of tomorrow things because the ad said 
Like, in the future, the, these, this star button and this pound sign will allow you to do miraculous things. Like talking to two people at once. Or finding out... What was the other one? Finding out who just called you if you weren't able to answer the phone in time. And it was a really weird ad to see when they had just added the buttons and they weren't even really sure what they were going to have them do. They just didn't even do it. They were just decorative at that point. I mean, it was great back in the old days when you had an excuse to get out of something because you had to be somewhere to answer I'm, a phone I'm call. I'm expecting a phone call. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. No, it sucks. It, you know, cell phones are great, but in many ways, cell phone, you're findable now. People can trade. You can't. All you can do now is the, no, the cell phone, no, it dropped out. I, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, I didn't. Or you can do the, uh, you know, my my battery was dead or something, I guess. But it's like, they don't, you know. Yeah, you can't, you can't do the, and it's, it's, I don't want to get off and do a whole when I was a boy thing, but it is weird to think with each new wave of technology, you think about, like, how did we ever get along without that? I mean, every time I back up eight seconds with my TiVo because I missed a line, I'm like, what did that guy say? And I back up to see what he said. Mm -hmm. uh, you think, like, how I would be so screwed if this was, like, 1978. Vinny Barbarino says something amusing. You try to watch it, and you're effed. You're effed until the reruns, which happen eight months later. I mean, it is it is amazing to think that, I mean, even in my childhood and probably even in Sarah's childhood, if you missed a television program, you didn't get to see it for seven months. I mean, you had to wait half a year to see it. There was no Internet to give you a recap either. I mean, you were screwed. 90210, I remember that. Yeah. Waiting for that for months and months. No on-demand, no DVD, no VHS, no recap, no, uh, you know, there's no encore. It wasn't on Stars the next day or whatever the hell, some other cable channel. That's a strange life we we live. Um, all right. Well, let me do this, and then we'll continue with the news. Uh, uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Why, hello there, and how are you on this fine Monday? Um, I'm delightful because I'm not at work. You are calling about uh, my uh, my drug and its possible side effects. Correct. Let us um, let us be circumspect and FCC friendly as we discuss this. Yes, sir. Um, the trazodone does, I mean, everybody, people are going to have different results. I took it for a while, and I wasn't groggy. It's just you have to take it, you know, take it, you know, eight or nine hours before you expect to be up. Yeah, that's and I, that was my thing, because I went to bed at, like, 2 a.m., and I thought, God, do I want to take this? Because I'm probably not going to get an accurate read on the results, and also I don't want to oversleep. So I set, like, three different alarm clocks, and the whole. It was, I was just really terrified that I would wake up at, like, 2 in the afternoon. And speaking of being up... The, the wee-wee problems with, yes. with trazodone, it, it's pretty rare. Uh, however, <laughs> uh, working working in the, the mental health and medical field, I got to read a chart on a guy who took it, and he he noticed this, this erection at, I don't know, 4 in the afternoon. I believe, now, I believe the medical term. I believe priapism. Priapism, which is a sustained period of male arousal. For, and apparently it's not very fun. And it's like, and the woman's like, now in extreme cases, this can last for 30 hours. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. He he thought, you know, the first four hours, he's like, well, this is cool. He tried to take care of it himself. <laughs> he tried to, tried to self-medicate. Um, and then so he's just like, well, you know, I'll go to sleep. It'll be gone tomorrow. He gets up the next morning, he's still there, and it hurts. Uh, and why he waited any longer than that, I don't know. No, there's, that's like you get those those uh, those people, and it, it, it does always seem to be in Britain, where somebody will go to the doctor and, well, I have this 168-pound cyst. Now, and, you know, and it's you think when the cyst gets to be like 50 pounds, like maybe you'd call somebody about that. 
Yeah, no, he waited 21 hours Jesus. before he went to the emergency oh, room. That's And no good. they said by that point there wasn't a whole lot um, oh. there could do, so they went in and did surgery, and they cut lengthwise. Oh, all right. No, no, no. Please, no. 21 stick, 20, I think 24, 25, some around right. 25 let's, stitches later. Please, let's never discuss this again. So, so enjoy that, Rick. Good thank, luck with it. Thank, thank you. All right, there you go. Good God, that was great and terrible. All right. That's Kara. All right, fantastic. Jesus. There's certain things you don't want cut lengthwise, and I think I speak for all of us. Oh, you'll be happy to know, Sarah, in case you ever have a sleeping problem, apparently in one in 6,000 women it does cause uh, an equivalent condition. Here's Tim Riley. Let's do a Britney watch. Oh, can we please? Fantastic. Yeah. Here's your Britney. I think it's like a triple Britney watch. I love this song. Every, it never ceases to make me smile, and I don't think we'll ever get tired of this one. We kind of grew tired of the one that, uh, that we had before this. We, in fact, we've, this was the fourth Britney watch, because we kind of wore out on the other ones. This one's gonna, this one's gonna be good forever. And every now, now and again, I'll get a hater. You know? We'll get so, I'll get somebody, some crank who emails me, but I don't know anymore. And they just bitch and moan about the, about the, the, the Nickel Arcade song. So, um, as, uh, as I believe it says in the, uh, in the book of, um, in the book of Leviticus, uh, you can uh, you can get bent is what you can do. So here's Tim Riley. Well, a photo taken by a TMZ videographer show Brittany blowing a red light at a notorious dangerous <laughs> intersection in L.A. Blowing what? Two, uh, a red light. Is that what they're calling it now? Mm -hmm. At a dangerous intersection in L.A. where two young sons are sleeping in the back and her court-ordered monitor in the front. But it's going to turn up as court evidence. Now, the bet, Now what I've heard about this, I haven't watched the video. Um, have you watched the video, Sarah? I have not. Now, apparently what the video shows is Brittany is spe speeding through a red light with her children in the car. Because if you're going to go through a red light, why not have your kids with you? And the court-appointed monitor appears to be crouching down and hiding, like, below the wind, you know, the dashboard level, so you just see, like, the tufts of her hair. Um, also, the one photo, the one still I saw from this, and I haven't seen the whole video, it's Brittany going to the red light, kids in the back oblivious to their impending doom, court-ordered monitor bending over and hiding down, and I don't know what that's all about. Is that to avoid, is she afraid that they're about to die, or is she just hiding because she knows it's probably on tape? The best part, though, is that Brittany is holding up, like, it's, I think it's a sidekick. She is holding up the sidekick, in front of her, in her line of sight, texting. You haven't seen this? No. Oh, it's gold. It's gold. I mean, it's got everything you want. Brittany, car, and I don't think she has a license still. No, she has a temporary California license. Really? We yeah. sure about that? Yes. Okay. So Brittany, with her temporary license, going through a red light with her kids in the back, court-appointed uh, monitor crouching down, and Brittany is holding up her sidekick phone in front of her eyes and texting. I mean, it's just, it's fabulous. It is fantastic. So the 25-year-old uh, pop mom, I can be seen holding up her phone to her face, apparently text messaging. Her erratic driving has been a point of contention with Cape Ed's legal team, while the duo duke it out for custody of their two sons. 
During Thursday's hearing, uh, Kaplan asked the court commissioner to forbid Spears from driving her tiny tots. That's one part. By the way, and I, I do think if you watch this video, and I have it, but I read the description of it. I think if you watch the video, I think... Because I think it's TMZ footage or footage that TMZ bought from somebody who witnessed it. Um, I think that if you watch it, you can actually hear someone at the intersection screaming, like, what the F are you doing? As she goes through. Because, again, she's going through. I mean, she's we're joking about it, but it's amazing that she didn't get killed. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you don't want to blow through a Los Angeles intersection like that. You end up dead. Um, have, you ever, have you ever accidentally gone through a red light? Yeah. And is it terrifying or what? Uh -huh. I mean... And you just—I've only done that once in my life, and it was—I was—I had someone in the car with me years and years ago, and I'm driving along, and I'm, you know, as much as we joke about my various auto travails, I'm, you know, I'm a fairly safe driver. I try not to be reckless, and uh, and I don't drive while impaired or any of that. Um, but driving, for some reason, I just didn't even see it. I mean, it's not like I was even fiddling with something in the glove box. I just didn't register the red light. And I just, you know, zoom. And the person with me goes, what are you doing? And I just like, well, I don't know. What do you mean? And I look back, and I was already through it and had safely, I mean, totally oblivious. I had safely sailed through this red light at a very busy intersection and just miraculously, total Russian roulette luck of the draw. No one hit me, and I didn't hit anybody. I mean, it's astounding that I made it through safely. That is lucky. Yeah. So anyway, so there's that part of the Britney watch. Fantastic. Here's another part. Britney has missed eight of her 14 court-ordered drug tests. <laughs> the troubled star who lost custody of her kids has failed to respond to several calls requesting she take the test within an hour. Mark Vincent Kaplan says, We've been in court on this exact issue at least three times. She lives in a parallel universe. Mr. Federline doesn't want to take these children out of her mother's life, but what else can we do? A lawyer for Brittany, who was ordered by a judge to undergo random drug testing to prove she's a suitable mother, says the tests are unconstitutional. Sure. And kindly adds... Since October 5th, there have been 10 negative drug tests. The idea she needs to respond within an hour is meaningless. It's the issue that Brittany needs to, uh, well, she needs to get up at 8.30 and answer the phone. Why, she's a pop star with a number one album. She's not up there. That is the best thing about this, by the way. The best thing in the whole quote on that whole story is because I guess the deal is that the average schmuck who has to take a quarter-pointed drug test, they call you and they say, look, come and get with the peeing into the cup. And you do, and you got to do it within an hour, one hour, or it's a presumptive uh, positive. It's a present. You fail the test. In other words, if you don't take it within an hour, you you just lose. You you fail the test by default. It is the same as testing positive for drugs. So they tell Brittany's lawyer, "There's like she needs to come and she needs to take the test within an hour." The lawyer says, "How about five hours?" And the judge says, "Well, no." And the judge makes a pretty reasonable point. The judge says, "Look." I'm a federal employee. I'm a judge, for Christ's sake. But I still got to be somewhere when they tell me to be there. And the lawyer, look at the stones on this lawyer. The lawyer responds to the judge and says, well, all due respect, Your Honor, you're not a pop star with a number one album. By the way, Britney's not a pop star with a number one album either, by the way. That would be the Eagles. That would be the, yeah, that would be the Eagles. So, I mean, I'm surprised the judge didn't just throw her into, like, Sing Sing for the rest of her life right then. That would be great. Popping. It really would. How fantastic. I mean, if I may just permit myself a little mental flight of fancy, how great would it be if Britney went to jail? I Nothing mean, could be greater. You think it was great when Paris had a melt? You think Paris snapped? Well, because Paris Hilton might be annoying and bitchy, but, I mean, she at least is an adult. Britney Spears just feels like she... You know, a woman has, child. A child, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, as pampered as Paris Hilton really is, you know that in a weird way... 
Britney is way more pampered because she doesn't have as much money as Paris, but she's much more famous. I mean, she and she's been famous for longer. And Britney has been much more coddled, I think, than than even Paris Hilton. And so, and, and Paris just snapped like a dry twig when they tried to send her to jail. And I mean, boy, what a great day that was. I know you weren't here for that, Tim. I know. Mm. It's, oh, boy, just a golden time. Kicking and screaming and crying in the back of the Christ, cruiser. Screaming in, courtroom, in the courtroom, crying in the back of the car. That was a famous picture. Oh, boy. It just makes me, it just, it just makes me so happy just to think about it. But Brittany, you know that she would. You know Brittany would never do it. You know if they said, I'm I'm calling this right now. If they ever sentenced Brittany to like real time in county jail, she would take a fistful of pills. I'm telling you right now, she probably wouldn't kill herself. Oh, promises, promises. <laughs> I know. I don't mean to dangle it in front of you and then take it away. But if they, you know, if they tried to send Brittany to jail, on the stick. I am uh, I am guaranteeing you, she would try to overdose if they tried to send her to jail. Oh boy, I just I'm gonna start praying to the God of my choice that they do that. I'm going to give burnt offerings to the Lord every day until that happens. Um, Rick, this email says, also, if you look close, she's not wearing a seatbelt either. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so there you go. Must be uh, lax laws in Los Angeles, as he says. Uh, do we have anything else? No, that's it for now. Fantastic. Here's that's your Britney watch for uh, Monday. God, that song's awesome. It really is. It's fantastic. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. So let's uh, talk about Dick Cheney. You're probably wondering what he's up to is lately. Cheney watch? I suppose it would be. Here's yeah. your Cheney watch for uh, Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. I love that. Well, today is Veterans Day, and that noted veteran and war hero Dick Cheney is uh, calling American veterans the backbone of our communities. This was during a Veterans Day service at Arlington National Cemetery. After laying a wreath at the Tomb of the Unknowns, Cheney spoke to a crowd that included U.S. military officials, veterans, and their families. Solemn ritual is observed at the Tomb of the Unknowns, and all the graves here are carefully tended because this is hallowed ground. Resting at Arlington are heroes who fell in battle from the war for independence to the current fight against terrorism. Did you, I don't mean to be Johnny Buzzkill about this, did you see that photograph of Bush at, now was it Walter Reed? Some he was he was in a hospital. He cares. It was a you know it's a place where they're rehabbing, and by rehab I mean like teaching you how to walk again without legs. No. Uh, it was a place where they're you know trying to acclimate these soldiers who have suffered just these grievous wounds uh, back into society. And there's a picture. It's a picture that just I don't know at the risk of leaping headlong into partisanship. It is a picture that really says it all. Um, it's. It's in the foreground, meaning close to the camera lens. You don't see the, the soldier's face. You just see, like, his torso down. And it's him, and his hands are leaning on what looks like a pommel horse or a set of parallel bars. He's sort of propping himself up. And he's just, of course, missing one of his legs altogether. So he's got the one real leg and then the one, like, robo-leg, uh, you know, that, that they fixed him up with. And he's clearly 
engaging in an exercise where he's trying to figure out how to stand again, much less, you know, do the, do the conga. And so he's just sitting there, leaning against this thing, trying to figure out how to use this, like, metal leg that they fixed him with. And then just off in the doorway, looking really small and fuzzy and indistinct and not too terribly bright, you just see George Bush just sort of casually looking over. Sort of like, uh, what's that happening over there? So, I mean, it just... It just kind of, just kind of it expresses the whole, the whole hideous mess right there. Uh, so Dick Cheney says uh, veterans uh, s- still help their hometowns. Anywhere you go in America, you find that veterans are the backbone of their communities, always making a contribution, pitching in, providing leadership, and setting a good example for the young. We remember the first Armistice Day of 1918. America's World War I veterans are now just a handful in number. But we're thinking of them today, and they are very special in the hearts of this nation. Uh-huh. I'm glad that Dick Cheney was there to set an example for the young people when it came his time to serve. I'm glad that he was... yes, he listed on several occasions. Yes, I'm glad he was right there in the front lines. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, are we done with that? Yeah, we're done. Uh, there's your Cheney watch. KCMD Portland. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, is this me? Thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, hello, hi. Rick. Yes. Rick, thank you, I'm a man of patience. And I also am a man who likes to educate. And I am so sorry that I went to school, public school, in Indiana, and you went to public school here in Oregon. I am here to educate you about the pound sign. I can tell you cannot wait. I'm just wondering if you'll Did you write this... this out before you called. I was just going to say, I'm wondering if this whole monologue even requires my uh, my interjections. <laughs> I've been sitting here on hold forever, so like I've been I'm listening. Conversation. To... No, the uh, the uh, the pound sign. Yeah. Uh, that comes from when uh, uh, early typesetting and things like that, when you had the lowercase lb for pounds. Okay. Now, where does that come from? Uh, no, okay, that's beyond my education. Ah, I see. This I is a Potemkin public- village of education. I, I did go to public school. I press this and it all collapses inward. But uh, if you put an LB in type print, it looks kind of like a 1B, and so they started putting cross hatches across it. And I thought that Bruce Agler was going to take all of my glory, but Wait, no. Wait, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I really have to sit down for this. So, Wait, how old are you, sir? I'm 37. Okay. All right, 37. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, I'm 38. I just had a birthday. All right, so, <laughs> okay, so first, so we had pound, P-O-U-N-D. Yes. Now, wow. how you got to L-B, I don't know. Well, let's, okay, hold on a second. So pound, I'm drawing a family tree. Pound, which then, this is like the uh, step two, question mark, step three, profit. Step, okay, so pound becomes lib, L-B. For some reason. I have no idea. Okay, that's okay. Let's, let's, somebody out there needs to then tell us how that happened. Yeah. Okay, and yep. then Lib becomes uh, the pound sign. How? They crossed? Well, because when you type it up... It, it looks, looks like one. Yes, because it's a lowercase l. So they began crossing the l? They began double-crossing the l and also adding an extra, like, slanted uh, one line, uh, All right. vertical line. I'm doing that now, and I can see how that does look like the pound sign. Yes. All right. They made sure they did that because so that they would know that that was a pound. And as Bruce Agler said, if you put it before a number, 
then it becomes uh, a, a shorthand for N-O or number. And right. why N-O is yes. short for number? That's, again, for somebody else to uh, call in and, All right. and explain. All right. Uh, it's kind of like ampersand. Do you know where we get the name ampersand? No. Okay, that little squiggly thing that means and? Uh-huh. Yes. Um, that comes from where, for some, it comes, the sign itself is a shorthand for et cetera. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, keep following. I'm just noting that everybody else in the room is taking this opportunity to, like, check their MySpace, <laughs> get some lunch, tie their shoes again. Okay. Yes. So it comes from and or et cetera, yes? Et cetera. It comes from et cetera. And when they were teaching things back in, uh, I don't know, 1800s, early 1900s, uh-huh. they, would, they, would, they would say the thing and then repeat the thing. So they would say and per se and. For example, when they were explaining what the meaning yes, of that and term. per se and, and then it became ampersand. Exactly. I will. Uh, I will now give you five dollars, sir, if you can tell me uh, what the what the, the, the words et cetera mean in Latin. It means and so forth. Well, it doesn't. I think it means and others. And others. Uh, that's et ali. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, et alia. I think is actually what it is. Uh, et ali. Now I don't even et, know what's correct. All et, right. Et. A-L-I-I, et ali, means and others. All right, excellent. I owe you $5. Thank you. I'll be coming down to the station right now. Okay, bye. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that was great and awful. Uh, It's all all the Greeks' fault, running around with those togas and and things carved in stone. Yes, it is all the fault of the Greeks. Let's bomb them right now. All right, well, we'll just continue this, and why not? Um, let's see. Let's get um, this Brittany call, then we'll do more news with Tim Riley. Hello, sir. Hello, Rick. Hello. You, you mean I had to wait on hold for that? Don't, don't. He was trying to share knowledge, sir. And, don't and hate. By, and bypass Brittany stuff? Come on now. What is your Brittany news? I read yesterday that Brittany has recently purchased a new uh, swanky $180,000 Mercedes with like 600 horsepower. Is that true, really? So she made it was on one of the, the MSN sites yesterday. So uh, she might be eliminating herself from the gene pool before Fantastic. we know it. Well, we also heard, and somebody has told me this, that there is now this video out there of Brittany singing, uh, dancing around, and singing. Apparently, it was like for like a video shoot, and she is dancing and lip syncing one of her songs. But her singing is so terribly off key that halfway through the video, they just turn her sound off. Because her singing is so unbelievably bad. So if anybody can find that, pass that along to us here. You just uh, let Rick Emerson wet his beak. You just send that our way. It's a video, I guess, that is out there today of Britney Spears singing and dancing, but they turn off her mic halfway through because her singing is so unbelievably terrible. So, all right, excellent. Well, her new album is the Thank same you, as sir. Justin Timberlake's. Sure. All right. No, it, it's very bland. I mean, the new record is not bad. It's just uninteresting. Yeah, it's it's a corporate album, and every so often the star of the album makes an appearance. Other than that, it's it's the same people in the background going, "Yeah." What are they saying? Yeah. It's the Britney Spears album is essentially a Scott Storch and Neptune's album, on which Britney is herself a featured singer every now and again. I mean, that's all it is. It's just. And say what you will about Britney Spears or about the people who create her songs, but she's created a, a, a lot of memorable tracks in her life. Um, you know, the most obvious being Baby One More Time. And, I mean, she's she, you know she's created some songs that actually were really memorable. There's nothing on the new album except for that single, which is all that good. It's, none of it really stands out. It's just very it's dull. Uh, all right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, let's hear about the, uh, the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Hooray. They have some new characters, including the Shrek. Abby Kadabi and Hello Kitty. 
They make their debut at the uh, Macy's Parade, but we don't have the good one. This what is, is Abby Cadabby? I don't know. If you're one of the kids, you probably know who Sarah, Abby do you know what that is? is? No. I'm really out of touch. All right, well, here it is. We have three new giant balloons, and this is our chance to get them out in the air and do our final tweaking if we need to move a line or reposition the people a little bit so we know exactly how we're going to fly. way too excited by this. He's the vice president of Macy's. Uh-huh. It's not our Macy's here, though. They mean the Macy's that's going to give me a $500 free gift card? How fantastic. Susan, how can they not get in trouble for that? Who? Macy's. It's not Macy's. It's not Macy's. But it's... Macy's obviously had to hire somebody to no, do that. No, it's, but it's not. It's No, it's completely fake. There, you go to Macy's website. They have a whole thing that says, like, it's not us. We're not giving it out. Please don't hate us. It's No, it is a guy. It is a spammer who is just using the lure of a Macy's gift card to get your MySpace information. Oh. That's all it is. Oh. There was a whole article about it where Macy's was horrified because all these people are coming in going like, Hi, I've got this Macy's thing. And Macy's like, where did you get that? On the MySpace. It's like those chain letters that go around and say, like, if you forward this to everybody you know, Bill Gates will give you $10. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a whole article in the Washington Post about it where they quoted the guy from Macy's saying, like, the first thing we heard about it is, like, somebody showed up at our store. So it is... A, it is a fisher uh, with a PH, somebody who's just trying to get MySpace login information. And the lure that they made up was this, like, fake Macy's gift card. And it's all written like a kid to, LOL, hey, dudes, check, mm-hmm. check out this survey. And you, go, and, it's ju- and you click on it, and it takes you to a thing that prompts you for your MySpace login and password. And then nothing happens. But, of course, then you've sent your, your MySpace login and password to some dick who will then use it to spam people. So, yeah, no poor, I mean, it, it, I'm not one to defend, like, huge corporate America, but poor Macy's just caught in the crossfire because, like, some guy just picked them, some spammer picked them at random to be the fake lure for this. The same thing happened to Starbucks a couple years ago where there was, like, a spam going around. Like, if you print this out or, you know, email me back or something, like, you will get $100 at Starbucks. And, of course, it was just a guy who wanted to get uh, your email information. So, mm-hmm. but, man, it's all over. It's, uh, there was a, it apparently is the worst spamming to hit MySpace since it started. So, I'm sorry, Tim, what about Macy's? Well, I don't have a MySpace, so I don't care. One of their big, one of the, when the Macy's parade, one should just be a huge blow-up of that ad. They should have a huge balloon. It's just a thing of, like, a free $500 Macy's That would be funny. That would be funny. And you know what? That would give them a little bit of street cred. Hmm. That'd be a little. That'd be give him a little. And you know, here's the thing: is I can't pretend to be any brighter than anybody else because it wasn't the Macy's thing. But about a year ago, I did get taken in by one of those things um, that looked. I, I went. I it, it, there was somebody had posted a comment or something, and I clicked on it to watch it, and it took me to what looked like the MySpace login page. Looked exactly like it, and I didn't bother to check the URL. And it's like type in your email and password, please. And I did it. And then, of course, I realized later that I had then, it, all everybody else on my friends list started getting a spam with my name on it. So I had been t- totally screwed. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, free food handouts to New York City pigeons may be a thing of the past. Council member Simka Felder is announcing legislation Felder. today that would ban the feeding of pigeons. Under Felder's plan, a pigeon czar will also be appointed to deal with pigeon <sighs> management issues. I want to be a pigeon czar. That is awesome. Oh, uh, Mayor Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg, a Bluebeard or whatever his name is. <laughs> Blue boy. Uh, he, uh, he really backs the idea of these, uh, these pigeon people. I welcome our new pigeon over. Well, I love animals and I love birds. We do have a lot of pigeons and they do tend to foul a lot of our areas and the people we're better off not feeding the pigeons. Uh, those that are here will find the food and they just won't grow at such a rapid rate and we'd all probably be better off. Off. <laughs> <laughs> He's done. I'm sorry, the mayor has no more time for you today. Excellent. Uh, this email says, Rick, 
Careful, SSRIs, which is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, uh, like Prozac, Zoloft, and in a low-grade way, the trazodone that I'm taking, um, listen to this, can make you a super jerk. Rick, SSRIs can make you think, I think I may have been on this my whole life. Listen, SSRIs can make you think anything you do is just fine. It's possible to alienate your friends and relatives by being a huge <laughs> jerk. I think they may have dosed me with this early on. Zoloft is also an SSRI. I do not take that. I took Zoloft for a while, and it made me all weird. Um, it's not uncommon for men to quit their jobs, leave their wives, move under the influence of Zoloft. When they quit taking it, they find their actions puzzling. Um, please find some other sleeping drug, maybe uh, one that was made specifically for sleeping. So there you go. Well, you know, the thing about that Ambien, Ambien seems like a great drug, but I know that it's, a, it's apparently incredibly habit-forming. That's what I've heard. So that's uh, the thing about trazodone is apparently it is not habit-forming. So we'll see. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the buzz at the box office is the new number one film, The Bee Movie. Jerry yeah. Seinfeld's animated depiction of a beehive. You know who I am? Brought in a sweet $26 million. Overtaking American Gangster that slipped to number two with $22 million. The Christmas comedy, Fred Claus, starring Vince Vaughn, mm. opened in third place. And guess who's very, very disappointed? The Tom Cruise. His Lions for Lambs motion picture opened in fourth place, making only $6,700,000. Wait, hold on. How much, Tim? $6,710,000. There's a new uh, SpongeBob the SquarePants movie coming out. Uh, this is the premiere of Atlantis SquarePantis. Is that what the name is? <laughs> Atlantis Square Pantis. I don't really know, Tim. Nickelodeon. The animated flick will follow the whole gang. Uh, Atlantis will be ruled by an evil dictator played by the legendary rocker David Bowie. He wanted to do it um, really badly because, you know, he's got, he's got kids, at least, uh. if, if, at least one, if not more. But uh, they, um, At least you know, one, if not crazy more. About it. He called it, uh, what a weird thing that he, is. He to called say. it the Holy Grail of animation geeks. He didn't. He didn't call it that. Some PR flat called it that. David Bowie doesn't even know what the gig is. No. He's being paid $100,000 to sit in a room for five hours. That's it. And what a weird thing to say. He's got at least one kid, if not more. Is that being? Is he being sarcastic? I don't know. Sort of snarky? Or is he is this, He really does not know and he's guessing? And does David Bowie have children? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I don't know, but the weird thing is I can't see him I've never heard father. him talk about it. No, and he's never written any stupid songs about them. Uh, I can't picture oh, David Bowie being rock. a dad. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying I can't picture it. Mm. It's like, you know, there's other, like, you can't picture um, David Lee Roth being a dad. And I don't think he is, actually. But there's certain people you just can't picture them having children. Mm. David Bowie is one of them. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. How are you? What's up? Uh, first of all, just on a related note, I believe that David Bowie has a, a child named Zoe, and I'm not making that up. No, no, no. Uh, Sarah says he has two kids. Yeah, he has oh. a son named Duncan Zoe Haywood Jones and a daughter, Alexandria Zara Jones. All right. Who's where'd, only the Jones, where'd the Jones come from? I don't know. Uh, well, his real name is David Jones. Oh, is that right? He changed it because of Davy Jones and the Monkees. I was going to say, because he didn't do well with the Monkees or something No, he like Now, there was already a Davy Jones, and so he changed it to David Bowie after the knife. Oh, they're not the same? Nope. Ah, how about that? Anyhow, uh, it's possible that that court-appointed person was leaning down to pick up a dropped Coke spoon. Uh, and the other thing, and this is a little bit, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is on a different topic, sort uh, of the, the random uh -huh. UAs. I know of somebody. You, you a. Oh, you're an analysis. Yes. Okay. I, I I know of somebody. Read about someone or someone not related to me, 
who is in a program that is court-ordered for driving while intoxicated. Yes. As part of this program, you have to attend classes. This person happens to be attending classes on Monday nights. Right. And this is this just floored me. The random, unannounced urinalysis that this person has to take a part in, uh-huh. they're called on Friday and told to show up a little bit early on Monday for because it. Because of the test. Well, that's what they always say is the problem with, um, I think it's the NFL. The problem with the NFL is... The reason you can never, Donna Mike were talking about this the other night, because you can never get an accurate drug or alcohol test in the NFL because you know like a week beforehand because you see them setting up all the equipment at the at the stadium or the locker room or whatever, and you sure. know days and days in advance you're going to get tested. So, all right. Well, well and I, I work in an industry with uh, people that drive. Uh-huh. Well, this makes me feel even better about driving home today. Well, no, no, this is the, it, with the, the random UAs that we give to our employees – they have no knowledge of it, and literally someone just shows up with a cup, and oh. they show up for the beginning of their uh-huh. shift, and there they are. All right. All right. So well, we, I, I always thought that that's the way that it was with everybody. No, well, you're not a pop star with a number two album, sir. No, I'm not. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. There you go. Tim tuned out as soon as the guy made the crack about thinking David Bowie had been in the monkeys. I, I thought see, that was a serious comment. I could see Tim just turning off his brain at that point. Rick, I was once at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. The winds were blowing at 40 miles an hour. I couldn't stop. This is why I love our audience. I couldn't stop laughing as the balloons would shred into the streetlights where they would be reduced to tattered material as Garfield came crashing down in the lines of terrified children. I remember Popeye slamming into Ben Vereen. That's a great comment. Excellent. Thank you. Here's Tim Riley. Now PG has 300 personnel working to restore power. The number without power is growing significantly in southeast Portland and in Washington County over the past two hours. High winds have knocked down trees, scattering tree limbs. PGE prioritizes outage responses. Wait, According hold on. To this. this is no. See, this is. I can tell just from the way the language shifted. You're now getting into the press release part of this story, aren't you? This is what PGE has fed the media. First, the transmission lines, also known as the superhighways of electricity, are restored first. Followed by the feeder lines, the equivalent of arterial feeder lines. Followed by individual neighborhoods. They fixed the Kevin feeder line first. Your individual neighborhood is last on the list of priorities. <laughs> At this time, the largest what? number. What do you mean my neighborhood is last on the list of priorities? I just caught that. It is. Okay. Well, I guess what am I going to do about it? The, la- the largest number of outages are in West Beaverton. All right. Build a fire in my living room. Then North Beaverton. Cedar Mills, southeast Portland at the bottom of the list. Thanks. Oh, also boy. as far south as Salem. Thanks so much. Uh, let's see. Rick, about your trazodone. I've taken a lot of different drugs, legal and otherwise, and I swear to you that trazodone is so benign in comparison to other sleeping pills and antidepressants. I suppose some people are overly sensitive to all types of meds. <laughs> Bruce Agler, for instance. I do love the idea of Bruce taking that and just completely being asleep for like a day. Mm-hmm. Bruce, who's like the smartest guy I've ever known, is just walking around in a haze, bumping into things. Um, but I know other people who love trazodone because it doesn't F you up in the morning. I am a self-described pseudo-pharmacist. One of the, I think it's code for junkie. Uh, so please come to me for all of your pharma-related questions. Best show ever. Oh, I think this is... I do believe this is the hot woman who is sitting next to me at the doctor's office. Oh. Who then did not, you know, who had the discretion not to speak to me there, but who emailed me about it later. So, a, a self-described pseudo-pharmacist. There was somebody else, uh, I won't identify this person, but there was somebody else who used to work here, who no longer works here, 
Well, that maybe. could be any number of thousands of people <laughs> over the past four months. Enough to fill up the Rose Garden. Well, there you go. Then it wouldn't I, be the theater in the clouds. They can fill up all those seats. Then it won't be. Then it won't be easy to identify this person. No, <laughs> not any. Um, but there was a person who worked here, and I was having a discussion with this person about. Um, I think I'm like a headache or something or whatever, and I was getting some of the. We have a well-stocked first aid kit in the kitchen here, mm-hmm. and they always have lots of like. Whatever, like uh, like your the PMS drugs and Tylenol and hay fever stuff and like things to put on if you're covered in aphids and whatever burn stuff. Um, and and I was saying, well, I got you know I take a bunch of aspirins. I have this headache that want to go away. And this person said to me, I, I was almost going to talk like this person, which really would have identified her. Um, I was just going to, but but this person said, um, oh, anytime you ever need anything, you just come to me. And I and and, and the, the, she then described herself as quote. A farm cow, which I believe is a play on words, like P-H-A-R-M. Was she describing her physique? No, Tim, that's a terrible thing to say. Well, I was just wondering. I think it's like farm cow, not F-A-R-M, but P-H-A-R-M. Oh, she I was see. making a play uh, on words oh, that she like a, was. Not like a moo cow. No, none of that to me, but it's like a farm, but like pharmacy. I think it was just a little bit of wit. Um, but, but she then listed off the number of things sitting in her medicine cabinet on any given day. And just apparently thousands and thousands of types of drugs. She had like a full-on Dr. Dr. Nicopolis uh, thing happening, like an Elvis-size uh, uh, medicine cabinet, so... Well, and that's not as funny as I thought it would be. Anyway, here's Tim Riley. Well, as the strike goes on for the writers, entering its second week, writers on the picket lines are joined by some future writers and producers, their own children. Nah, nah. For the parents, the strike is all about getting what they say is fair via the Internet. But for the kids, well... This is about something else entirely. I think it's actually kind of fun. She like holding up boards all day. I'm supportive of my dad. It's just like fun to show support to get people to hockey. It's kind of cool to be out here. I, I like my mom that. being on strike and my dad because it's fun. Learn to speak more clearly. Those are sound bites from the 1940s. <laughs> Don't let your children record your answering machine greeting either. All right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be so disproportionately angry. I mean, look. I... I have very uh, tried very carefully to avoid taking any sort of a, uh, a stand on the writer's strike. I don't like us has made the same thing. He's trying not to take sides. I understand that they're getting uh, they're getting the, the the long hard shaft from the studio. I do understand that. Having your children come to support your cause is not the way to get the Americans on your side. That is the last refuge. It's like ah, uh, never mind. I don't even care enough to talk about it. I'm just saying. You think for people who are so creative, they can find something different and better to do. And their children, and you know, the children are having no fun. They hate their lives. All right, whatever. Here's Tim Riley. Many of the pills marked as safe herbal alternatives to Viagra and other prescription sex medications pose a hidden danger. I'm stunned. For men on common heart and blood pressure drugs, popping one could lead to a stroke. What do you mean, popping one? Oh, taking pop- one. Okay, taking a drug. Okay. Taking a pill. <laughs> Could lead to a stroke or... Lead to a stroke. So popping popping one can lead to a stroke. Or even death. First you pop one, and then there's the stroke. You you have a stroke. This dirty little secret represents a special danger for millions of men who take nitrates, drugs prescribed to lower blood pressure and regulate heart disease. When mixed, nitrates in impotency pharmaceuticals can slow the blood flow terribly, leading to a heart attack. Or even a stroke. Emergency rooms and poison center hotlines are starting to log more incidents on the long-ignored phenomenon. 
sales of natural sexual enhancers are booming, rising to nearly $400 million last year. And, and dangerous knockoffs abound. God, the world, it, it, we have to create some sort of product that could just be sold to morons because that's where all the money is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read this great book. Um, a guy called earlier, and he wanted to, something about the Rick Emerson Book Club, and I, I think we didn't get to him in time, but he, he went away. But um, I read this book a while back called Spam Kings. Not like a great book, but I'd say a good book, probably seven and a half out of ten. It's called Spam Kings, and it's a fascinating book for anybody who's interested in sort of the, the background of how things work. It is a story of how spam came to be such a huge problem on the Internet, and they actually follow, it's pretty fascinating actually, they follow three different very prominent spammers, um, you know, and, and, and the lengths they go to to avoid detection, moving from state to state, changing Internet service provider when they get kicked off, and it also follows the crusade of some people, cops, and just guys on the Internet to try to stop spamming. So it's a pretty great book if you're interested in how the computer, the computer technology how that develops and how the internet community works, but um, but the, you know, there's some guy and he spams with like fake Viagra pills, and he sends out like 10 billion spam messages, and the deal is like half of one percent of those people respond with the money, and he was still making like 20 grand a week. Wow! I mean, it's unbelievable, and that's why it just continues. I mean, the money is in selling things to stupidniks. I mean, that really is that's where it's all about. So. In any event, this email says, Rick, I just had to do a drug test for my new job. I asked when I'd have to take the urine analysis, and they told me it's no longer urine test, it's oral. I showed up, and they stuck a sealed test swab in my mouth and told me to hold it between my cheek and gum, like a skull packet, for three minutes. You may want to warn the stoners in your audience that fake urine and so forth uh, no longer will work. Well, they have they all of that stuff, like those fake warmers, so like if you have the frozen urine or whatever, you like you can heat it and then you stick it into the, the cup or whatever in the bathroom. So I, I heard that they're doing hair tests now, too, where they clip off your hair and that's what they test. So uh, did you know that there are radio stations uh, in this country that test for drugs? Which ones? Uh, I don't believe there's anybody here that does it, but I do know that the... I would imagine the Mormons do Bonneville. Well, Bonneville probably does, but I know that um, the... We used to work for Fisher, and we don't anymore, but the company that owns K2... They have stations in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a news station in Seattle, and the news station in Seattle does drug testing, which is amazing. I would—I have never heard of a radio station doing a drug test. They—they they would. I, you would think they would know that almost no one would pass it. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, and I'm not just talking about you know here in Portland. I'm saying like 80 percent of the people who work at every radio station of this country, they would all fail. And the only reason I know this is because I had a friend of mine fail it. Um, Oh, I should. I don't. I. I won't identify her. Oh, it's a lady. It is a. Uh, it is a lady. Sorry, I got something stuck in my throat. Hold on. <laughs> Could be a side effect from that. <laughs> All the drugs in my jagged um, pill. The. Uh, but she. It's a. It's a. It's a terribly sad story, especially if you work in radio. She had uh, gone up, interviewed for the job, uh, had discussed everything, and they had actually gone so far as to discuss. Benefits, salary, vacation. Uh, you know, they had, they, they had resolved everything. They had discussed, you know, her move, they were going to pay to move her up there. Was, everything was set, locked, loaded. And then at the end, they said, okay, now uh, you'll just need to be drug tested and then we'll move forward. She had not had any illicit drugs for like seven years. Uh-huh. And of course, the weekend before, bachelorette party. <laughs> oh, no. The pipe goes around. She says, 
Well, should I? Why not? I'll celebrate that new job. On the pipe. And then, you know, and then so the next week she goes in for this job. And they're like, okay, so your starting wage will be whatever. Here's your vacation. We'll pay to move you. Can you start on the 15th? Fantastic. We'll put you up in a hotel until you find a place. Oh, by the way, pee in this cup. And then she just told the guy flat out, she's like, I won't pass it. She's like, I will not pass it. I, 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 I got high last weekend. I'm sorry. It, it's the first time in almost a decade. Please forgive me. And uh, she was not forgiven. And they just put her on a slow boat back to wherever she was working. They just stuck her on the train and sent her right back to whatever whatever city she was in. And she told me the whole sad story. I felt so bad for her. But I was astounded that a radio station would do any drug testing. It's like drug testing at a, you know, it's like a record company drug testing. There's just no way. So, well, in any event. Oh, damn, we're late. Let's do one more and then we'll break here. A Central Florida woman visiting her husband in prison was arrested after she was found with two condoms stuffed with marijuana in her pants. Robin Atkins is charged with possession of marijuana. According to the sheriff's deputy, she was visiting her husband at the correctional institution. During the visit, Atkins went to the bathroom, and when she exited, she was walking oh. slowly with her arms clutched oh. to her waist. And you know where the, you know where those condoms were. When she sat down with her husband, officers said she appeared to be trying to remove something from the waistband of her. Oh. Uh, uh. She was escorted out, taken to the search room, where she turned over two condoms with bangs of marijuana stuffed inside. Uh, let's see. So they'll continue to investigate it. Weighed about 65 grams. You know, this is, and I don't mean to sound holier than thou, we are not prudes nor Puritans here on the Rick Emerson Show. Everyone in this program has their own tangled history with everything and whatever. I'm just saying, this is, kids, this is why you don't want to become a heavy drug user. This is why you don't want to become a junkie. Because it makes you stash bags of things in your orifices, and that's just bad. You just don't want to do that. You know what I mean? You don't want to be. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be like. And you know that's why you don't want to. You don't want to become one of those Russians who's over there drinking his own bodily waste because there might be a little bit of vodka extract left in it. You just don't want to do those things. So just to say no. All right. Shall we take a break? Here's what's coming up. Oh, we never did get to this great suicide. We'll do that. Oh, I have a story that may actually challenge the man eaten by his own black widow story. Maybe. It involves maggots. So we'll get to that. Uh, what else? Top five songs about the wind. Uh, later on, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian and uh, so forth. You said it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Now, wait, for what reason are you looking at uh, at that MySpace profile? Well, I wanted to see if one of the people you mentioned was in, in the friends list. I can't find it. I can't find Which, it. Are you talking about the person I just revealed to you about? No, or the, the person, other. the person that we had the discussion about last week? The immediate one. Wait, now I don't even know who you're talking about. Are you talking the, the about... The J1 girl. Are you talking about uh, uh, S or... The other one. Oh, no, 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 the other one, D. Oh. Wait. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Well, I don't know. Well, let me look. Are you looking at... Yeah, I was looking. I couldn't find it. You know, the thing is, everybody has just cracked our code. Who knows what we're talking about? Um, yeah, let me look here. Hold on. I'm, let me look up the... Um, let me let me look up the MySpace profile. Oh, damn it. No, hold on. Let's see here. Where's my... Uh, let's see. Profile... Hi, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Yes, we are looking at our MySpace pages live on the air. It's just that exciting. Uh, let's see. Well, by the way, we'll get to the top five here in just a skosh. We'll do the top five wind songs. Tim Riley, how is the wind treating everybody today? The wind is fine, thank you. 
Are you you're speaking on behalf of the wind? I am. Um, <laughs> wait, hold on. Is now is that person the is is he in your top top eight? Is he? Yeah. No, no. I'm trying to figure out how to get to his. I went to yours and then went to Aaron's and then he's one of Aaron's. Top I can't imagine who we're talking about now. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that everybody it, it, we're, we're keeping our code locked. Uh, wait, hold on. There we go. Okay. And um, I don't even know to what extent we can talk about this on the air. Uh, let's see here. Okay, there we go. Clicking on his. Aaron, if you're listening, and I'm speaking to Aaron Geek in the city, Duran, if you are listening, and I know you are, I don't know if we can talk about uh, what Sarah and I are sort of talking about here. The right. fact that that Edward Festival is at the Clinton Street Theater, yes. not the Hollywood That Well, that's part of it. That's part ah. of it as well. Um, no, I don't. No, no, no. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't see that person, Sarah. Okay. Although, okay, I swear to God, we'll be done with this in just a second. Sarah and I looking at MySpace profiles that no one else can see right now. Okay, are you at um? Uh, what? Are you at Scott's? Uh, <laughs> did I just say? Hold on. Let me just dump that. Are you at uh? His MySpace profile? Yeah. Well, now I'm looking through the friends. Okay, but look at this friend. Yeah. Is isn't that? Yeah. Well, what's that about? I don't know. <laughs> hey, Tim, how weird does this sound to the casual observer right now? Perhaps you should get the, like, uh, Felix and Joaquin. Yes. Um, oh, Aaron said he'll hook me up with the profile. He's sending oh, really? Um, of yes. of uh, the, the woman I just told you about? I think so. Aaron, this, is the, this should be the, the story that I was told this weekend. Either or, though. Either, well, no, because I don't think they have one for the other, because she was an unknown quantity. Oh. She was just there. But you'd be surprised how easy it is to find people. That's true. I'm talking about the the known unknown. This is the worst segment of this program that's this ever is aired. Extremely vague. <laughs> the oh, <known> son. unknown. <laughs> What's that Ed Wood thing? Oh, son, you're too vague. Uh, yeah, the Ed Wood Film Festival is happening at the Clinton Street Theater, by the way. You really ought to catch that. I, well, it's all week, and uh, but they're showing a cleaned-up print of Plan 9, which is a terrible film. But I, it, someone told us that the film, that the, the print is in color, too, and I don't know how to feel about that. And apparently some TV commercials uh, that Ed Wood, I think, directed uh, sort of later in life. Anyway, uh, let's see. All right, well, there you go. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, should I do this um, hunt for the second worst story in the history of the world? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. And then maybe we'll do the top five. Also, Peter Carlin, more from uh, more from Tim Riley. Let's see, where's my news that hurts bad? Hold on a second here. I'll find this. Really? From Arizona? Hi, Arizona, Arizona. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, uh, sir or madam. As the, Are you really in, uh, are, are you in Arizona, sir? I really am, Rick. This is Arizona Frank. How you doing? Fantastic. What's okay? What's up? Hi. Hi there. Hey, uh, I'm listening online, of course. So, Excellent. Thank uh, you. This will will certainly not make any sense during this segment of your show. However, as Miss Desjardins was uh, talking about the whole um, banana thing, she said a little line that I thought was really saucy. She said, "I like." The banana. I got like a, I heard that. I got like a hundred different emails from guys who were like, "Please to be isolating Lisa Desjardins saying I like the thank banana." Thank you, thank you. I appreciate hey. that. Just uh, as always, Pam, best and, show. and by the way, sir, before you go, a couple things. A, yeah, for those people who are maybe not in the know, the podcasts are up, being updated flawlessly every day by uh, Bridget and Richie. So those are the the past glitches have been overcome. Also. I don't want to put a timeline on this, but a real, honest to goodness, actual stream of this program. Uh, is coming very soon. 
That is so awesome. Yay. That so be, is great. Be listening for details, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank All you right, very much. All right. Has uh, he sent you the profile? No. All right. Uh, well, let's just do this, ladies and gentlemen. What the hell is my volume? Why is the volume so Yeah, that sounds weird. It's only in, like, the right channel for me, too. And I've got it turned up all the way over here. I don't know what that's all about. Well, okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time once again when we quest, we search, we look, we hunt high and low for the second worst news story in the history of the world. Here's how we play our game. And, Richie, you won't need to screen these calls. I'll just take them live, as they say. Uh, I will read you two news stories. At the conclusion of the second story, you tell us which story, in your opinion, is the worst. Now, we've had this one reigning champion for the longest time, and we'll lead with that one. Then I'll give you the new fresh hell. And at the conclusion of uh, the second story, you call 503-733-2970. Tell us which story is the worst. Here is story number one in the reigning champion, as uh, Howard Cosell would say. From the sun, pet spider kills its owner. A man who lived in his own zoo of lizards and insects was fatally bitten by a pet black widow spider, then eaten by the other creatures. Police broke into Mark Vogel's apartment to find spider Bettina, along with 200 others. Several snakes, a gecko lizard named Helmet, and several thousand termites had gorged on his body. Neighbors alerted police after becoming alarmed by the smell, and all horrified officers were met by a nightmare scene. His corpse was on the sofa. Giant webs draped over him. Spiders on him, coming in and out of his nose and mouth. There was everything one could imagine. Larger pieces of flesh had been torn off by the lizards, scooped up and taken back to the webs of tarantulas and other bird-eating spiders. Police described his home as being a cross between a botanical garden and the butterfly breeding ground in the movie The Silence of the Lambs. One tarantula had built a nest the size of a swallow's in the corner of the ceiling. He also had a boa constrictor and several poisonous frogs. There you go. That's story number one. Story number two. This comes to us from what state? Anyone? Anyone? Florida. Florida. Yay. This comes to us from D-Land, Florida. Thank you. A neglect case at a Volusia County hospital was so severe that Florida Eyewitness News 9 felt it had to be reported, said the article. However, the details are disturbing. The victim was a resident at University Center West Hospital in D-Land, and investigators have questioned several of the staff members there, trying to figure out how the patient ended up with sores, infections, and... Maggots living in his face. Doctors at Florida Hospital Deland discovered the situation Wednesday when a man from University West came in with breathing problems, but his symptoms went far beyond that. While in the center's hospital, police reports say the man developed an infection from a breathing tube. His catheter had been... This is of special interest to the men in the audience. His catheter had been pulled out at least four inches. <laughs> and there were bed sores covering his body as well as the most horrifying detail. Doctors discovered a colony of maggots living in the man's left eye. Scientists told Eyewitness News the maggots were likely attracted by the man's many sores. 
There you go. That's story number two. So we'll now take your votes at 503-733-2970. You simply say story one or story two. Richie, I'll just go to take these on screen. Story number one, pet spider kills its owner. Story two, gruesome case of neglect at Volusia County Hospital, including a man's eye full of maggots. Fantastic. Uh, we'll take uh, your calls at 503 733 2970. And uh, you vote for either story number one or story number two. Let me make my my grid here as we often Let's see. There you go. Story one. Story number two. Fantastic. All right. There you go. It's 503-733-2970. While we wait for the delay to uh, go out there, Sarah, have you okay. found the... Uh... So I have the profile, but Scott told Aaron that we can't say anything about her. Oh, come on. I know. What a pansy. Don't be a pussy. All right. Well, let's get these calls, and then we'll talk, sir. All right. Let's just go to these. Hi, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We now commence our hunt for the second worst story ever. Hello, story number one or story number two? Story number two. Ah! <laughs> Hi, uh, story number one or story number two? Number two. All right. Thank you. You just wanted to say number two, I can tell. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find the most horrifying? Winner, winner, chicken dinner, number two. All right. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find the worst? Uh, story two. Ugh. All right. Hey, we may have an upset here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst? Uh-huh. Hi, uh, it's 503-733. Richie, Richie, that's Richie doing that. Richie, I can tell you're picking up these phones. Please stop it now. I will take these calls on screen. I can tell what's happening there. There was three in a row. Okay, apparently he was not in the studio. Instead. Yeah, Richie, I will ju- he says on the screen I'm not touching anything. Maybe the phone is possessed by gremlins. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. What's up? Story number one. Story number one. All right. Ugh. Excellent. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst? I'm sorry, Rich. I didn't mean to falsely accuse you. Which story do you find to be the worst, sir or madam? Story number two, man. Oh, God. All right, excellent. Story number two. Thank you. Uh, we'll take, uh, I don't know, we'll do another bank here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, which of these two stories do ye find to be the worst? Well, that'd be number two. Okay, thanks. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst, uh, number one or number two? Number two, because he's alive. All right, thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst? Oh, number two, because he was still alive. Number one is awful. Though, I would put in a personal vote for the filming of that, um, that website video you sent us to a couple weeks ago. Yes. All right. Thank All you. Right. Bye now. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Final vote. Which story do you find to be the worst? Number two, man. <laughs> All right. Excellent. There you go. Thank you, sir. All right. There you go. And the winner and new champion... Gruesome case of neglect at Volusia County Hospital, including an eye infested with maggots. Coming up, top five, Peter Carlin, more of Tim Riley. It's the Rick Emerson Show. You stay there. Want to say hi? So transparent. You're right. I should be a junior private detective. I pity the person who tries to get anything past Sarah, really. I do mean that. Many ex-boyfriends have tried, and I've found it all. Mm-hmm. Not even found it. Just kind of find you. Awkward. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hey, um, Richie Bristol, pleased to be calling Peter Carlin if you can. Uh, we'll get uh, Peter Carlin from... She's really cute. The Oregonian. 
I don't know what you're. allude to who she is. I don't know what you're talking about. The girl that Scott Dillon slept with. Oh! (laughs) I'm just kidding. Dump it. Dump it. Oh, (laughs) damn. I'm totally bleeping that. Jesus. Um, Let's make a note, Richie. Richie, can you take that out, please? Uh, Sarah just made a comment that we'll need to take out of the podcast as well, because I thought the podcast was post-delay. Brian insisted it is. I don't think it is. I think the podcast is pre-delay. So... Let's right. make See, it now out. we said it without saying it. That was Two, at 202. 201.50. 201.50. You just wanted to say it and get it out of your system. Mm-hmm. I will say she's hot as balls. I do mean that in the most chaste way. <sighs> all right. Well, what can you do? Uh, all right. I, uh, and you know, the thing is, it's like, what is today, Monday? It's like, uh, uh, Jesus, like nine days before we can ever really even try to discuss it. Nine days. Try to discuss it a little bit this Friday, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like he knows that it's a public forum, and he tells us just a little bit, and then we have the opportunity to find out more things. I know. Well, and then it, you know. And that kind of escalates. The fact that I'm hanging out with his drunkard friends uh, on the weekend. Yeah, you got to hide it a little bit better there. Seriously. <laughs> All right. 503-733-2970. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm not even really sure if Richie can hear me or not. Richie, can you hear me? Wait, is that who can make the? Is who that can make the, the who can make the sunshine? <laughs> but that's Tom. That's the who. Tommy, can you hear me? No, Tommy, can you hear me? I don't even know anymore. Um, I just don't know anymore. Richie Bristol, if you can hear my voice, uh, give Peter Carlin a call. See if he is available. I know he's at two o'clock, so we'll see if he's. I know he's a man of many contradictions in scheduling whatnots. Uh, plus, we'll get to the uh, we'll get to the top five. Uh, let's see, what else? More from Tim Riley. A whole stack of weird news uh, to get to. I don't think Richie's in there. I'm looking at the screen. I just don't think he's there. Well, should I call Peter Collin? You know, I don't know. Uh, we got to figure out. I'm not trying to knock Richie. I'm just saying it's. Uh, we got to figure out when he's there and when he's not. You know, we, we, grew, we grew so used to the way things were with Scotty, where we had a little, you know, surreptitious communications that would happen. And I'm just, I'm not really sure mm-hmm. that that's, that's the case here with Richie. Um, well, in any event. Well, um, it is important to be able to. Yes. Contact. Well, hold on a second. Let me um, just, everybody just, uh, what the hell is my, what, is my computer up? All right. Give me one second. So no, he was actually not in the room. So I just uh, gave Sarah the number here, and we'll try to we'll try to rustle him up. Uh, in the meantime, oh, I see there he is. All right. Well, I guess I'm not going to time to read this suicide thing. All right, hold on. Mm-hmm. All right, it's ladies. Pizza. And, let's now welcome to the. See if I can find some sort of interesting uh, music with which to. Uh, I'm, I like the banana. It's either that or the uh... parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butthat. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program with a heart full of hate and a head full of, 
I was going to say butt hash. That seems wrong. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Hello, sir. Hey, man. What's butt hash? Do you not know what I'm talking about? <gasps> no idea. Oh, Peter. Et tu, Peter Carlin. Um, it, I, I, I don't mean this to sound... Uh, uh, the way that it will, but I go ahead. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to sound superior. Yeah. Um, hey, let me ask you this. It, I'm man enough to admit when I don't know what a word means. What does supercilious mean? Ooh. Um... I, I know how to use it, but I'll, I don't know what it means. I'll feel better if you don't know it either. Um, you know, um, it's like, um, God. Oh, I feel I so much better it, about the myself. The way that I use it or the way that I understand it, Yeah. and this is not with this, this is with almost no kind of precision whatsoever, uh, sort of s- smug and overbearing, sort of overbearingly smug and superior. So so, my, so that is, that's me. All right, so I don't mean to sound like me. Um, there has been, I really am amazed, and I, I again, I don't mean to grind this in, that you didn't know about this. Um, the, I, I don't even know where to start. Um, okay. I, <laughs> Take a deep breath. Really, honestly, because this should fascinate you. Okay. Um, because it is about the transmission of information and stories and the, the way that things, I, you know, this overused word, virally transmit in, in, through, in today's media. Okay. Um, okay. About two weeks ago, there was an internal memo mm. distributed at the Naples County, Florida Sheriff's Office. Yes. And I swear to God, it sounds like I'm making this up. But there was a memo that was posted and distributed inside the sheriff's office okay. warning the sheriff uh, and, and, and community parents about a new drug that their kids were getting high on. Oh, smoking poo, right? Well, huffing it. <laughs> huffing huffing the, the fermented poo. Who's poo are we talking about? Their own, presumably, unless Ew. you buy it on the street. From Dude, nobody wants to get high that badly. Getting high in one's own supply. <laughs> Uh, anyway, but you know, so this was all, it turns out now that this was all predicated, uh, this all came from a fake, not a fake, but a, but a website, you know, a, a, a message board posting from a guy who was just making crap up, you'll forgive the pun, just, just completely just sure. fabricating all this yeah. stuff. Some guy who then later admitted that he'd made it all up, yeah. doc, made up these fake photographs and a fake message board, and well, I'm getting the high on this jankum. The next thing you knew, the sheriff was talking about it. Then Fox News did a report on it. Then I have several other radio stations or TV stations doing these breathless, like, scare reports on it. And then Coin6 did a big piece on it last week. No. Yes. Wow. Let me play you. Um, let me play you the worst, uh, the worst of these. Uh, and by worst, I mean most fantastically entertaining. Let's see. I'll play you the one... This isn't the one that is sort of the most reefer madness of them, but but this this is one that can this, this is where mm-hmm. the butt hash phrase comes from. This is I don't know about a minute or so. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and play this down the phone for you. So this is it's not the Fox News, but it's like a Fox News like affiliate. Yeah. Uh, doing this Jenkins scare. This is a real newscast. Here we go. There is a shocking heads up for parents about teen drug use. One Florida Sheriff's Department warns there's a new way for your kids to get high. And as Fox City's Jack Miller reports, they're using raw sewage. (laughs) The Washington Post, the Drudge Report, and Inside Edition are all talking about Jenkum. They could be uh, 
toxic and, and harming. The bulletin describes Jankum as gas produced by raw sewage that's allowed to ferment. Pictures show young people who appear to be breathing in Jankum. This confidential internal document from Collier County was leaked by someone inside the sheriff's office. Deputies say it's no big deal because all the information in the memo is available on the Internet, and there wasn't enough concern to warn parents about Jenkum when the memo was written back in September. We had no known information that this actually occurred in Collier County. But he says what is known is that students are talking about it and parents need to be aware. Sewage is toxic and it's handled... Uh, as a biohazard. We weren't able to confirm tonight if Jankum is a problem for law enforcement in our area. Cops are calling it Jankum or the human waste drug, but parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. Jack Miller, Fox 30 News. Oh, so there you, there you go. That's, oh, man. Journalistic, that is journalistic standards at their highest Oh golly! Yeah, so does it pain you to, to be a journalist? Are they gonna make? I just like the idea of trying to control that substance. Yeah, no. Here's here's. I will play you just a part of this other one. This is WSBT, which I believe is North Carolina, but I could be wrong about that. Um, listen now. Keep in mind, this Jenkum is is. Uh, uh, we we sort of wrapped this up on Friday, but I wanted you to hear it. Keep in mind, this is a completely fabricated, like non. I mean, it's it's it's. It's crap. It doesn't exist. Yeah. So listen, though, to the side effects that they, you'll pardon the pun, completely pull out of their butt about this. Mm. Uh, listen to what this fictitious substance can do to you. Let's see here. Your heart rate, uh, um, lowering your respiratory drive uh, so that you stop breathing. Jankum can do all that, and the long-term effects are worse. They include brain damage, stroke-like symptoms, even destroying bone marrow to the point of developing leukemia. All that from getting high off human feces and urine. That's the very... That's the, the best part. Of all that from getting high on human feces. I love how they got it. they've got it broken all the way down to your bone marrow. Totally. And what is her advice? She does have a little bit of advice for parents. Can sound extreme, but they say also don't let your kids go to bed when they come home at night until you've smelled their breath. And so there you go. Oh, smell their breath for sewage, Peter. Whoa. That's WSBT. So yeah, the mind boggles. The thing about it is, what's fascinating to me is how uh, this didn't exist like three weeks ago or whatever. Some idiot posts something on a message. I shouldn't say idiot. He was pretty clever. He posted the whole thing on a message board, yeah. and then people are just. So stupid uh, that the, the next thing you know, this is being record, reported just breathlessly as though it is like the second coming of the plague by legitimate news outlets. Yeah, but in an unrelated story, yeah. this is sweeps month. No, it's true, which is why. <laughs> wait, no, and here's how you know it's sweeps month. So, so we've got um, Coin News, and I won't play you the Coin News thing because it's not all that interesting. But Coin News last week did a whole piece on the Jenkum scare, and we were up until the day of the broadcast, we were like laying odds as to whether they would cancel it, knowing how stupid it would make them look. But we decided, well, they would play it because it's sweeps week. So, how do you spell that Jenkum? Is it J E N K U M? Uh, K E M. J E N K E M. So but keep in mind, so that so coin, and I'm not trying to knock on coin in particular. I'm not trying to pick on them. It's, mm. They're they're no better or worse than any other major media outlet. Yeah, you guys are related to them, aren't you? Um, wah, well, they're wah, a, they're wah. a CBS a CBS station. Yeah. Well, um, no, you guys are owned by. The, well, okay, all right, go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. So I'm uh, so anyway, uh, so here we've got. Um, so they do this whole thing of trying to position themselves as really being like a serious outlet for the hard news. And then... How sexy.
sexy is too sexy in the workplace. Plunging necklines, short skirts, maybe high heels. Yeah, there you go. That's the follow-up story. How sexy is too sexy? And then they cut to, like, some... Was that coined? Yeah. Oh, really? That was their follow-up. It's like they finished the Jenkins story. And they're like, well, thanks for that report. Parents should be alert. How sexy is too sexy in the workplace? So there you go. All right. Anyway, I love working in the media. I really I keep do. getting busted for that. It has nothing to do with how I dress. It's just the way that I am. <laughs> it's your, your raw uh, erotic essence. Yeah. It exudes out of your pores. And out of my socks. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we could talk about actual television stuff here. Um, so here's a question. Is this um, is the writer's strike going to do more long-term harm to the writers uh, than good? In other words, do you think uh, that uh, American television viewers are just going to defect somewhere else to, I don't know, the, the DVDs or other, you know, like other... I mean, is there any place... got to write those, though, too. I guess. I mean, is that... It... Are they? Is there other stuff that they can watch on television that somehow isn't tethered to this? Are well, there's they... the reality shows and news and and the people who the writers who aren't covered by the WGA, uh, that particular contract. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I, who knows? I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, how long can the strike go on? And uh, you know, I mean, last time around it went for almost half a year, and people nevertheless. The moment shows were back on the air, boom, you know, everyone came flooding back in. But, of course, that was almost 20 years ago, so it yeah. wasn't quite the thriving Internet world and, uh, you know, and everything else. So hard to say. It's a little early, I think, to really figure out exactly what the long-term ramifications might be. But, um, you know, I mean, I don't think it's particularly good for anyone, but, you know, it's it's hard to know. I mean, I like I was interviewing Harry Shearer last week, and he was talking about uh, this concept he called creative destruction, where you know by dint of this this conflict, you know you end up just you know you literally you know destroy the village in order to save right, it. Right. The village in this case being Hollywood. Well, I and I do really see the writer's point that they are getting bent over by the studio in a very real way. It's just it's not quite as bad as that Broadway strike that's happening right now because those guys are really just burning their own bridge down because you know you get these tourists who have had tickets for five months that show up and they get turned away at the door because some you know some guy doesn't want to hold a light. Well, so, that's, you know. that's 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 that's. That's that's a dramatic oversimplification, but nevertheless, it's, it's what I do. Yeah, Peter. Also, in related news, how sexy is too sexy in the workplace? Not. I don't think there is such a thing. Well, I suppose in, in the Oregonian, you might have a. Do you have a necessarily lax dress code at the Oregonian? Uh, basically. What are you wearing right now? What are you wearing right now, Peter? Really, honestly? Yes. I'm wearing a pair of my nice my nicer pair of jeans and shoes and blue socks. Excellent. And a black t shirt and a and a and a nice red sweater that I recently had dry cleaned. Okay. How's that? What else you want to know? What brand are your jeans, Peter Carlin? Pardon me? What brand, what brand are your jeans? jeans? They're lucky. Ooh, big spender. Is well you know, I didn't want to spend that much but I couldn't find anything else and I had to go somewhere really quickly and so I dropped what was like a hundred bucks on a pair of jeans, and I was all mad about that until I put them on, and I realized, you know what? I, I really like these jeans. They make your uh, they make your figure look girlish. <laughs> um, yeah, they do. They're padded in that way. 
Did you hear that? I did. That was me whacking it against my desk. Yeah, that was the first day I was wearing them. So. <laughs> Excellent. A um, couple of things. And this is, this is actually apropos of nothing except a conversation that Tim and Sarah and I were having. Um, do you find it as yourself a TV viewer? Is maybe this a pro, uh, something of the aging process? I was making the observation that I no longer in any way feel mm. compelled to watch sitcoms at all. Really? I, in no way do I feel like when I go to watch something on television, I cannot remember the last sitcom I actively watched. Did you watch, you're not watching 30 Rock then? Uh, I'm not actually. I well, that's to, a really, really funny, good show. I need you to catch up on You should be watching that show. So I need to be watching 30 Rock. Yeah, you do. All right. Well, Sarah, I know oh, is watching Oh, God, that. that is one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that show. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been talking to Rick every day. It's out on DVD? The first season is. Okay. I, you know what? I will, uh, I don't know if I'll buy it, but I'll rent it this week. You'll be a better man for watching it. All right. It is so funny. If you have that, can I borrow it or something? I don't have it. I rented it. All right. Well, maybe I'll rent it this week. Yeah. Do that. Uh, and do you stand by your assertion that Cavemen continues to be good? Uh, I haven't seen it since I wrote that. All right. But I mean, it's not tops on my list. I mean, it's not something like go out of my way to watch. But the thing is, it's like, here's the deal. What that align is the fact that people talk about it as though it were like the worst ever sitcom in the history of the planet. As though it were cop rock. Exactly. Or whatever. I mean, or that it was just that, like the lowest possible form, et cetera, et cetera. But then I'm watching it. I'm thinking, well, gee, no, it's not. It's actually kind of funny and has an interesting perspective. And, you know, but then you, I mean, and compare it to a show like Back to You, that Kelsey Grammer, Patricia Heaton thing, which is just like so by the numbers and so uninspired and so stupid. It's like you can basically speak along with it because you can, you know, you see all the plot twists coming five minutes ahead of time. You know, the wisecrack, right. the little pitter-patter, bada-bing, bada-boom type of pacing it has. I mean, that's a horribly, horribly low form of, of, of just, you know, corporate product. You know, and it does sort of, I don't know, it sort of confirms everything you know and fear. And does, I mean, not that anybody feels sorry for Kelsey Grammer at this point in his career, but, I mean, it does... It is a little poignant that a guy can, you know, he, he goes from Cheers to Frasier, yeah. and then, you know, and then he's just doing this, and it does show that it's almost like just luck of the draw more than anything when you end up on a quality piece of television programming, right? Mm, I don't know. Not I quite. Mean, well, do you suppose that, Kel that Kelsey Grammer looked at this program and went, that is exactly what I ought to be doing now? Kelsey Grammer, though, sort of won a certain amount of enmity from me when at the uh, TV critics thing last summer. I can't remember how politics came up, but something about politics came up, and then he went in to speak grandly of his own particular conservative beliefs. And then he hit on your daughter? <laughs> no, but then he was talking about, uh, which, he, which he was describing uh, airily as having to do with personal responsibility, and I'm thinking, what about <laughs> this guy's rap sheet? Seriously. I mean, isn't, doesn't he have, like, one of the more – I mean, and I can't say this. I mean, I, this is just my – Let's my, go to Wikipedia right now while you're talking. Yeah, exactly. It's like – doesn't he have, like, a whole lot of, like, drug and, and, and vice-related offenses in his not-so-recent – you know, not-so-distant Well, time? and I do believe, and I will apologize if this is – well, hold on. Let me see. Can and I, I could be totally wrong, but, I mean, well, that's – I mean, I, I, I believe – I would say with almost entire confidence that there's at least one major arrest in his not-so-distant past. All right. Have you, Peter Carlin, ever been arrested? No, sir. Really? Yeah. No mugshot of you? No, God, no. That's kind of What am I going to get arrested for? Well, I... Superstitiousness? cranky? Yeah. I am... Um, when they make that a crime, then I got problems. Make, when you make that a crime, then uh, you, sir, will be uh, you will be the Pablo Escobar of that particular crime world. Yeah. Um, now I'm just into Jankum. Yeah. I do see, and I was saying last week, I really do believe that the, 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 it's too bad for the writer strike is because Trey Parker and Matt Stone could really make a fantastic South Park out of this, where Cartman uh, becomes a sort of um, Scarface esque 
uh, Jenkum dealer at his school. Let's see here. Here we go. Kelsey Grammer. And I go right in, in the Wikipedia. I always go right to this tab. Personal life. Mm. Married three times. His there you go. There's a lot of personal responsibility. Go ahead. Let's see. Um, his second marriage to stripper Leanne Kushani yeah, lasted one that. year. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> this is this is fantastic. I can't read any of this on the air. Among the things, the conversations his wife had with each other, his second wife included the phrases, you effing pig. Yeah. You F, you P, you bastard. You're so effing stupid. How is this in Wikipedia? Uh, it's under it's under relationships, um, and it's there. No, and there's and it's all there are footnotes for all this. It's I think annotated annotated is the word. Um, so let's see. Um, it's annotatedly correct. Yes. In 1992, Kelsey had a I'm sorry, Grammer had a daughter Greer with hair and makeup stylist Barry Buckner. Barry. His engagement to Tammy Alexander broke up due to rape allegations. Uh, let's see. Since 97, Kelsey Grammer's been married to Camille Donatacci, a former Playboy model. Um, but he's consistent. About, about the kind he of has a type. In 88, he was sentenced to 30 days in jail for drunk driving and cocaine possession. He was again arrested for cocaine possession in August of 1990, sentenced to three years probation. In 91, he was given two years probation for violating his original probation through additional cocaine use. Yes, yes in, he is deeply, deeply into personal responsibility, but go ahead. In September 96, he overturned his Dodge Viper while under the influence of drugs and alcohol and subsequently checked into the Betty Ford Club. Clinic. Um, he said later, I shouldn't have been driving that car at that moment. Yeah, really? In 98. The moment where it was upside down? In 95, he was sued by a former girlfriend for defamation of character, invasion of privacy. In 98, um, he sued IEG, who, uh, who, who uh, Grammar claimed had stolen from his home a videotape of him having sex with girlfriend Solette Lam. Um, Who's IEG? Uh, Entertainment, uh, Internet Entertainment Group. I think they're the ones that did the Pam and Tommy video. Oh. Um, yeah, so there you go. The responsible thing to do is that if you have those videos, you just got to keep them somewhere where... Oh, now this is great. On Hannity and Combs, a few years back, he expressed interest in running for the United States Congress as a Republican. Uh, see what I'm saying? <laughs> On the personal responsibility, beat up your wife and marry a stripper. Oh, uh, and he is, uh, he's endorsed Rudy Giuliani, of course. Oh, lovely. Because Hillary is a godless sodomite. Well, of course. Yeah. And Rudy is is another twice married. Uh, yeah. Leaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twi twice married, twice divorced adulterer. So mm. there you go. Excellent. Right. Fantastic. Well, okay. There you go. I, we've done our work here. See, I'm all for like all that right thinking, personal responsibility type stuff. I just don't see a lot of it exhibited in his life. Yeah, no. All right, Peter Carlin, I'd like to leave you with this thought. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. <laughs> there you go. Those are our colleagues, Peter Carlin. Cool. All right, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day. Talk to you later. Read Bye -bye. him in print in the Oregonian online at OregonLive.com. He is Peter Carlin. Fear him always. There you go. Wonderful. Fantastic. Excellent. Did you hear that? I did. That was me whacking it against my desk. Uh, and Richie apologizes. He said, all caps, I was locked out. I'd gone outside to check on Sarah. He thought oh. you might have not been able to get in without the code thing. So he oh, he gave he, me the code. Well, he didn't know if you'd forgotten it. Oh, He's like, he told sucks. me, so I better go check in case she forgets the code. Well, good thing there's so many smokers here. He's locked out. Sorry, Richie. I didn't mean to falsely accuse. Thank you, Richie. Um, who wants to hear this great suicide story? Then we'll break and we'll come back with Tim in the top five. I do. Okay. Dateline, Pontiac, Michigan. Man uses tow truck and cable to kill self.
the, the look on your face made it all worthwhile. Ugh. It really did. Um, in fact, you know, while I'm, hold on a second, let me just, uh, you know, this really ought to be, this ought to be an honorary, um, there we go. Dateline Pontiac, Michigan. A 54-year-old employee of a Pontiac car repair shop apparently decapitated himself Thursday using a cable and the thrust of his tow truck. Authorities in Livingston County released few details of the death and declined to identify the man. The man's employer called the death outside the shop a suicide. The man who'd worked at SNR Route 66 Auto Center on the western edge of Pontiac for four years appears to have tied a cable to a sign in front of the business and the other end of the cable around his neck. Then at 4.30 a.m., he got inside the tow truck and popped the clutch. He was a pretty good guy, said a co-worker. It kind of freaks me out that he would do this. The co-worker had not arrived at the shop by the time police had already found the decapitated body. Page 2. When police arrived, they found the man's body inside the truck... And his head inside the parking lot. Oh. There you go. Fantastic. We're going to take a break. Come back. Tim Riley, have ye news for us? Oh, yes. Fantastic. Do that. We'll come back uh, with uh, Tim and then the Top 5 Wind songs. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This email says, Rick, about Veterans Day. I am at work, by the way. I am a veteran. I bore arms in the service of king and country and was prepared to lay my life on the altar of freedom so that you, your friends, neighbors, and colleagues could breathe the free air of America. And while the masses take this day off to revel, nay, wallow in sloth, I... Oh, I'm sorry. Because I... Uh, I thought he was talking about me. He says, I, Rick Emerson. He's referring to himself. He said, Rick, I am at work. I am at work keeping the wheels of industry and the flywheel of democracy spinning. There is no justice. It's Tony uh, living uh, and uh, listening there in Seattle. Sorry about that, Tony. What, you know, what can you do? Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the I'll barbecue some meat Truth. in your honor later. This is Tim Riley. Are you speaking to me? What? Are you barbecuing meat in my honor? Yes. <laughs> well, yes. thank you. I don't know I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> offer burnt blessings to the Lord in your name, Tim Riley. Well, the funnest place you can be on a day like this is not an option today. You have to think, where would you like to be when it's really, really windy, and it's whipping you around, and, and it's raining profusely? Wait, hold on. And I can't be there today. No. But I, you should be. I give up. The OHSU tram. Oh. On a windy oh. They closed it down. Now, do they close it because yeah, it's Veterans Day or because of the wind? Because of the wind. They don't care about the veterans. <laughs> that, that, is the, uh, that is the considered opinion of CBS Radio News. Um... Fantastic. My wife, well, you know, she has the pass. She has the card. She can ride it anytime she wants. And she keeps trying to get me to do it. She's like, come on, I'm going to ride the tram. I'm like, no, I really don't. I don't. I don't ever want to ride no, the tram. No, because you know, look, I'm not trying to impugn the intelligence of the engineers who designed that, but it's going to snap someday and everyone aboard will die mm. horribly. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you're impugning them at all. No, I'm just saying, look, it's the, 
It is the nature of things, Sarah. Matter breaks down over time. You know that that's the case. Look, nothing that works, works forever. Think about uh, then something... You're, then you're stuck with some deranged serial killer halfway down. And then Tommy Lee Jones has to rappel uh, down, the, uh, down the cable to try to get you out. No, but think about whatever you own. Think about the device you own that works flawlessly every day without fail. Someday it's going to quit working. Someday your TiVo will stop. Someday your phone won't work. Someday your ceiling fan is going to catch fire. And, uh, you know, so that's all I'm saying. It's, it's, just, it's just the way of things. And so, uh, you know, enough of those situations happen every day without needing you to put yourself unnecessarily in the way of that fate. I mean, it's bad enough that thing's going to fall and kill Clyde when it goes through his kitchen, which it will. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, fantastic. A uh, 79-year-old nun pled no contest today to two counts of indecent exposure with a child. Alleged sexual encounters happened with two male students at a church convent during the 1960s. How old was the nun? Let's see here. She's 79 now. Well, she wasn't 79 at the time. So that's 40 years ago. So 40, so she was 30. 39 at the time. Mm-hmm. I have known some sexy nuns in my life. Well, the nun's sister Norma. Uh, one man uh, said the nun told him in 1965 when he was 13 to unbutton her habit. <laughs> but he was shaking so badly he could not do so. Oh, Wait, I don't think you can unbutton a habit. Though. Well, those old ones from the 60s, you could. The habit is I just. I should have pulled mine over. Uh, well, not the habit. Wait, the habit is the. The habit's just right? the head part, oh, isn't it? The robe. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the. Maybe the whole thing is a habit. But he said she then unbuttoned her clothing and had him touch her breasts. Jesus. This first incident was followed by sixty to eighty others. Sixty to eighty. I. The uh, other man said he had contact with a nun more than one hundred times. Jesus Christ, so to speak. Suffer the little children come unto me. This is for you guys later. Uh huh. I'll just set that aside. I do have to say, most of the nuns at my school were hideous and toad-like. Mine too. Yeah. There was the, there was this one. Uh, I probably I think I've talked about her. There was this nun, and I will not identify her in any way. Um, she may still be teaching. I mean, God, Lord, good Lord willing, she's been struck down by something at this point. But there was this nun I had, a truly horrible woman, a truly awful and black-hearted. Well, most of them are. With a soul just made out of, like, rocks and ooze and lizards. Um... It, it, but but hot in a really weird kind of Cruella de Vil sort of way. Um, but she did, and this is completely true. Now, it, I should know that, but that doesn't my knowledge. She never engaged in any sort of inappropriate touching or whatever. But she did this thing during health class that did not strike me as weird until later because I think it was only 11 or 12, so not really. I don't think everybody had sort of entered adolescence at that point, and so you didn't you didn't connect the dots sometimes. But I have to be very careful how I say this on the radio. Um, in health class, at one point, she did actually uh, have a, a guy, a boy who was in class with me, stand up in health class when we were discussing what sort of passed for sex ed at a Catholic school, which is a whole lot of keep your pants on. But she did have a boy in my class stand up and describe in some detail the uh, nature of uh, the male essence. And, like, I, see, Tim's looking at me right now, but see, he has an the adult... male essence? No, no, no. Are talking about Old Spice? Yes. <laughs> Brute. Uh, describe the muskiness of your of your father's cologne. No, but, I mean, now it doesn't make any sense, but at the time, it was, seemed a little weird, but I didn't really put it together. But I look back, and there were some other things she had us talk about in class that were clearly not 
You should not have been having those discussions with young boys. And I can't actually discuss some of them on the radio. So that won't benefit you monetarily at this point. No, no, unfortunately. Uh, all right, let's do we have the Geek Watch. Yeah, we do. Let's we're here. Do that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson program from Rock 101, KUFO, from the Court and Fatboy Show. Fatboy, hello. Hello, sir. I, I've invited you in to be guest commentator on this Geek Watch. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen's Star Dilemma, remember, you used just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen on There, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. Here's your Geek Watch for Monday. Jack Nicholson is furious that Heath Ledger is playing the Joker in the new Batman movie. <sighs> the 70-year-old actor, he's that old, 70 years old. He, he And that's also, assuming some year shaving. Yeah. He starred as the villainous trickster in the 1989 film Batman, was livid that he wasn't asked to reprise his role for The Dark Knight. When I asked how he felt about another actor playing the Joker, Nicholson replied, I'm furious, I'm furious. Huh. They never even asked me about a sequel with the Joker. I know how to do that. Nobody ever asked me. It's like in any area. You can't believe the reasons. Well, things do and don't happen. Not asking me how to do the sequel is that kind of thing. Maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe it's the right thing. But to be candid, I'm furious. Bad boy, please what? respond. What? Senile old man. That didn't make any sense. No. But he said, "What?" Okay, well, none of my would... stories do. <laughs> <laughs> no. Why would he ask or expect to be asked about a sequel? He died in the first movie. Yeah. Batman threw him off. Spoilers. Batman threw him off a building. Why would he be asked back for a sequel? How do you feel? What's your oh, take your on? Your voice got really high pitched. You were really, really, really angry. angry. I, I, I got I got all frustrated. I'm sorry. A pitch of rage. <laughs> uh, what is your take on Nicholson as the Joker? You know, sort of in the abstract. It's yeah, horrible. Oh boy, See, it was worst terrible. Joker ever. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, he's doing Jack Nicholson with a clothes hanger in his mouth. That was right. the entirety of his Joker. It was it was silly. It was dumb. Um, it had really no relation to any Joker in any way, shape, or form. And the Burton Batman movie is overall crap. I think I picked the wrong microphone. I think I did too. Sorry. Am I crackling? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Why don't you just grab it's, the other one? I think crackling your rage roses? is overpowering the, uh, the <laughs> microphone. The boy. I, I mean, my high pitched rage. My take on the Joker, so as played by Jack Nicholson, is this: that in no, in no way, my biggest problem with Nicholson is the Joker, and I realize now I'm bitching about something that's 18 years old. Oh, yeah. But the problem with Nicholson is the Joker is he's not scary. In no way is he scary. No. Heath Ledger, just based on what I've seen already, looks a little freaky. No, and uh, Heath Ledger is keeping a, a diary of hate. Like he only sleep he only sleeps two to three hours while he's shooting this movie, uh -huh. and he is so wrapped up in his character that he actually goes home and writes down some of the most vile stuff he can think of in this diary. For example, does he have a blog? No, he, do he doesn't blog. He's like a actually, personal. He actually writes it down, writing like a method general. acting. Yeah, thing. and uh, like for example, one of the list is a uh, top ten list of things that make him laugh as the Joker. Number one, AIDS. <laughs> Number what's number four? I didn't know. I that was it. That was enough for me. I was that's like, oh, some he, that's some is. weird freaky like Robert De Niro to the nth degree. Seriously, like, he oh, oh he drinks more coffee than you, uh -huh. and he's awake for you know twenty two out of twenty four hours trying to play this guy. That's pretty great. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I why would you get Nicholson? So he's kind of making himself crazy. And yeah, I don't even right. care if that story is real. That's how great that story is. I don't even care if this is just a bunch of PR bollocks. Doesn't matter to me. Or we could go ahead and get fat, schlumpy Nicholson right now, who's going to do nothing but snort coke off of you know thirteen different strippers, and and not prepare at all for his role, then wander in and read it off the back of said stripper. I think that's my biggest problem: is that every is that everybody 
just sort of got a pass on that Burton Batman mm-hmm. film. You know what I mean? It, it, it has aged so Oh, it's horrible. terrible. You watch it now, and it, it doesn't hold up at all no. in any way. And I look, I love Michael Keaton. Yeah. Wrong guy to play Batman. Mm-hmm. He's no Val Kilmer. That's Actually, just, no, I'll, just for I'll, Jason I'll, Crump. I'll, I'll roll with you on that one. I will roll with you on that one. I uh, I think Kilmer's Batman was actually good. It was just stuck in a really bad movie. Yeah. So Same with uh, Clooney's uh, Bruce Wayne. I'm with you on that. Clooney's Batman was garbage, but Clooney's Bruce Wayne was really good. There you go. Rock 101, KUFO, the Court and Fatboy Show, 7 to midnight. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. There you go. Right. There's Fatboy for Monday's Geek Watch. I grab Star's hammer by the Sons of Warvan. I shall avenge you. I love that guy. Do we have time for the top five? Cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Tim is raising one eyebrow suspiciously. This is going to go on Tim's list of things that he hates. I could do it, Tim, if you need to run off. Tim, do you have to leave us? Well, in just a few minutes to go back to the newsroom, I have four minutes. Nah, we should wait. Now, there's no way. We can't do it in four minutes. It'll still be windy tomorrow. And if not, it'll be a poignant look back at Monday. Well, then what are we going to do for the time that we have left right now, which would actually perfectly know. fit the top five? I have what the fuck. Tim, have you another news story? To I guess I can have Let's another. Let's do some more news. A 20-year-old Metro Atlanta man has been arrested for allegedly selling chocolate bunnies and ducks, laced with the so-called magic mushrooms. They got a tip that Matthew Jackson was selling LSD along with candy containing these magic mushrooms in uh, the various counties. But an undercover officer saw him selling a sheet of LSD and a chocolate duck containing the mushrooms for $650. He was arrested. They found 74 more of the chocolate candy ducks and bunnies in the cooler bag of his truck, along with $1,200 in cash. Did you see that a guy in, I think, Arizona died of the plague over no, the weekend? I did not. It's weird. You don't really think about people dying of the plague these days. That seems like one of those things that we've, we're done with. Apparently not so much. Did you see this email from Aaron about a nun that he went to school with? Yes. I don't think we can read part of that. I don't think we should. I'll read this part. A nun at my college killed a bear with a bowie knife in her bare hands. Yeah, I can't read the rest, but thanks. Thanks so much. It's All really right. Gross. Thanks for No, this this one this nun at my school was really you know what she looked like? Ooh. Here's here's uh, uh here's how uh crazy this nun was that I went to school with and how evil she was. I mean she was kinda hot in a sadistic way, but when I read Harry Potter, uh I think it was Harry Potter, I think it was uh, uh in the Order of the Phoenix where Dolores Umbridge who made him like carve the thing and the mm-hmm. punishment in the back of his hand. That's Order of the Phoenix. I pictured this nun. Whenever I thought of Dolores Umbridge, whenever I was reading Dolores Umbridge, this nun's face, and that's exactly who I thought she, I conjured up this image of this nun that I hadn't seen for like, I haven't seen her for probably 20 years, uh, 25 years, uh, but she's such a horrible person, that's who I figured Dolores Umbridge uh, looked like. So this isn't the same as Aaron's nun? No, I, I don't believe so. I mean, unless she's just working her way up the coast. Uh, let's see, and we finally got this. Rick, here is the type of question that keeps me up at night. Why is the abbreviation for Mrs. MRS? There are no R's in Mrs., and it's not like we're using some sort of French spelling because it isn't in Mademoiselle either. It's been bothering me forever. That's a good question. I'm not sure on that one. No answer to that. And that will bother us all. There you go. See, but now now you'll all think about it because you don't have a big bottle of Trazodone. Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. God bless you, sir. Why, thank you. So you're doing the Lord's work, Tim. Well, I try. Okay. I hope he's watching. Uh, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, Tim Riley, top of the hour, all the way through like us. Uh, shall we break? Oh, sure. Huzzah! All right. Zoodalures. We're going to take a break here. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, like us at 3, Don and Mike at 7, etc. We'll wrap things up after this. You see, there's the Rick Emerson Show.
I'm still trying to find stuff that we had that Scotty just moved around and hid somewhere. It was like his last act before he left us a hide a bunch of crap that he knew I would need. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm trying to find that thing we were just talking about, and I can't find it. Well, whatever. Uh, why, hello. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. Like us at 3, Don and Mike at 7. Uh, Richie Bristol, please now come to the uh, to the Rick Emerson studio. If you will uh, please now come to the... Uh, I was going to do a random... I wish we had a sounder for him. It feels so lonely. Just yeah. Just name in silence. And Lo sent me something, but i got to edit it down. I don't have it together. And I don't have this other thing I wanted to play. Uh, hello, Richie Bristol. How are you, sir? Good, sir. Hey, uh, so did you bring your cologne with you today? Uh, yeah. Okay. Why? Yeah, that's what we were wondering because we see you carrying around this little bottle of cologne. You don't, you're not a stinky man. And sometimes I and walk it's into the, a strange thing. And I walk into the call screening room, and it's actually sitting out on the countertop, like, like next to a cup or something. Like as though at any moment you'll need to, like you know, like breaking case of uh, funk or something. Like at any, like it's there, like you'll need. You keep it there like a can of Deep Woods off. <laughs> like, you know, like when a horde of mosquitoes might attack you. So, first of all, what cologne is it that you use, Richie Bristol? Uh, all kinds. Today I got Tommy. Like a Tommy Hilfiger? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, wh- why, why do you just carry it with you? Because I can't smell. You can't smell? What I do you mean? My, I used to work waste treatment, and I can't, I don't have a sense of smell. Wait, so do you just live in... Oh, this is going to be gold. <laughs> you have gold. zero sense of smell? I can't smell You don't nothing. know what you smell None? like? Zero. No, I could smell like ass and... So do you just myself. eat healthy all the time? Yeah, just, do, what about your sense of taste? I got that. Believe that. I thought most of... Maybe that's an urban legend that it came from your... Uh... No, if you plug your nose and taste something, it doesn't taste as good as if you can smell it. And... So you can't tell if you smell bad, which is why... Right. Which is why you carry cologne, so your thought is you so want to be of, ready... I want to make sure. <laughs> That's fascinating. That is fascinating. Because I can't, I can't smell. Is it like this. your mental crutch, where like you're totally uh, have a fear that you well, stink? Well, like I got a complaint actually once for an appearance going. To Somebody just said like you had a bad body odor, yeah. and so now you carry the cologne in case, because you have no way of knowing, and so if you got caught off guard smelling bad, you want to you want to have some cologne. Yeah. This is, fan- this is fantastic, not for you, but for us. Okay, so okay, we need to mentally log this, talk about that tomorrow, and also talk about uh, Richie's uh, nipple piercing party that he went to. <laughs> he went to a cool game. Richie and cologne and nipples. Nipples. Excellent. Thank you, Richie. All right, thank God you. bless you. Bye, All right, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented. Sometimes. Me too, in a weird way. Sarah Ash Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio, a proud member of the CBS Radio family. In the newsroom, Tim Riley. On the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, and marketing guru, Susan Reynolds. We want to thank Lisa Desjardins and Steve Kastenbaum, uh, as well as Fatboy from Rock 101 KUFO. See you all tomorrow. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Thank you for listening. Be safe, my friends. Bye now.